Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The views and opinions expressed by hosts, invited speakers, and callers do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the Black Talk Media Project or the Black Talk Radio Network. With a price tag, you were slave to a flag in a country that clearly doesn't love you when they probably never have. Told you turn the other cheek, and they made it with a bad fucking protest in them cities. Told you go fight in the war, Vietnam, you died good riddance. That man of the house rule took you from your siblings, turned around and pump crack right up in your city. And they turned all your leaders to martyrs. You was off in the war, now who was guarding your daughters? It was riots in the streets, killed Malcolm and Martin, called the national guard up because we ride with our guard up, and that was blood in your guard. It's like in the amendment don't apply to you. Everything that they taught you was a lie to you. See, they scared of your skin and they dying to shoot. Take the American dream and then you die to pursue. One day it'll all make sense. If it ain't about power, then it don't make sense. But none of that money matters when you live in madness. The one day you figure out that all you got is this. Peace, love, and the middle finger. Right on. Peace, love, and the middle finger. Right on. Peace, love, and the middle finger. Right on. Peace, love, and the middle finger. Good afternoon. Welcome to Black Talk Radio News. My name is Scotty Reed. I'm broadcasting from behind the enemy lines known as USA Inc. Today's date is June 29th, 2015. We are on these airways on this Monday afternoon. I hope that my voice finds you safe and sound behind these enemy lines. For those of us um, who are enslaved right now on the prison plantations of America uh, especially our political prisoners who dared to struggle and dared to win uh, just know that we are thinking about you alright so um, again I just hope everybody got through the weekend safe and sound um, nothing bad happened to you or a family member but I know um, because I pay attention to the statistics is that, you know, more than likely we lost somebody over the weekend. I haven't had an opportunity to look at the killed by police.net database, but uh, perhaps I can do that before we close out the program. Well, today, I hope that we have an interesting, informative program for you. Uh, we will be joined once again on Black Talk Radio News by one of the co-hosts and co-producers of the radio program, New Abolitionist Radio, which airs on this network on Wednesday nights at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, and it focuses on 21st century slavery and human trafficking. Um a lot of people don't know slavery was never abolished, you know, and, and this is an opportunity that we should be taking with this current uh, debate that's going on with this racist terrorist flag um, to be informing people that guess what? 
you out here talking about this and that and and you just remembering these people and whatnot but guess what y'all really didn't lose the war y'all you know battled the union to a draw because you still get to get get to practice slavery under the 13th amendment that is the agreement that the union had with the south the north with the south to stop you know uh fighting each other and all these white people getting killed and so we're going to put this 13th amendment in in the constitution and then all you got to do is just build a bunch of prisons pass a bunch of laws and target black people and then put them in, in back into slavery so you know people that don't know the history are doomed to repeat it. I think somebody else said that it might have been a different variation, but it's true. If you don't know the history, you'll be thinking about thinking like we've made so much progress in this country. And that's not to say we haven't made any progress, but the country itself, the nation, the U.S. government has not made any progress whatsoever. They are state sponsors of terrorism, both abroad and here domestically. They still practice in slavery along with corporations and other nations. And all the states are in on it too. So like they say, our people perish for a lack of knowledge. And so you should be using this as an opportunity like our brother uh, and my fellow abolitionist Max Parthas uh, did over the weekend when he was down there in his state where he lives behind enemy lines in South Carolina and he went to a confederate flag rally over the weekend and he engaged those uh, people that was out there and so we want him to come on and share that experience uh, that he had with those people and so that you know and then also uh, another thing that ties into it is codification. There is a way to engage racist suspects um, in different settings, and there's a codified way and there's an uncodified way. And so I think what Max did was a codified way of engaging these racist suspects to inform them about what they're doing really doesn't make any sense. And then also there's an uncodified way as I came across a video of a couple of black people who were at a rally. Might have been the same one. I'm not sure. I think it, I know it was in South Carolina and the uncodified way in which they were engaging, uh, racist suspects. And so we, we just want to, um, look at this and hope in a constructive manner not to criticize those people that were out there arguing with those racist suspects but just so that we can make a suggestion as um, Neely Fuller has, has pointed out when you talking to racist suspects about matters of racism uh, slash white supremacy that don't talk about it in racial terms cause automatically they ain't trying to hear you cause they racist alright but you talk about it in terms of justice and injustice. Now, uh, speaking of terrorist flags, I also linked up to a threatening private message I got from a confirmed racist. He's not a racist suspect. He's confirmed by the things that he said to me in that um, private message on Facebook, which I made public. Which again, I want to talk about again, the need to create a white terrorist database, a white terrorist database uh, for these people. Okay, because the U.S. government has shown it is not interested in protecting black life or non-white life from these white terrorists. All right. And so we need to to perhaps 
construct our own database. And so I, I want to talk about that because as I looked at this man's profile, guess what, who he had listed as his Facebook friends? He has some black people. And so while he's, he's dissing black people and saying F black people to me in a, um, email, then I, I, I would like to think that his so-called black friends would like to know who they really dealing with. And so that's another way, you know, I think a, a, benefit to having a public database that contains links to these racist suspects all right with the evidence with the screenshots and all of that type of stuff so i want to talk about that um also um i'm going to talk to max about also and you the listeners the true meaning of what the confederacy in my opinion really stood for as i have been doing research on the confederacy and the Union battles here in North Carolina, the Civil War. Uh, I did not realize that a whole lot of black Union soldiers was down here whooping them racist terrorists behinds. And so I also want, want, you know, these people to understand that you were manipulated, that you didn't, wasn't even practicing slavery. You were too dirt poor begging rich white folks for some food and, and, and for, for some land. And then they convince you to go off and fight for them to protect their so-called property and practice of slavery. So, you know, you'll hear a lot of them say, well, I, my ancestors didn't own any slave. Well, you know, well, then why did your dumb ancestor go out there and risk his life and give his life and, 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 you know, for something he wasn't economically benefiting from? It was actually... Uh, in the enslavement of Africans actually suppressed the wages of these dumb people. And they, you, so again, you know, this is just things that I think that many of these racist suspects out there supporting that terrorist flag, and it is a terrorist flag. It ain't, it, it, today, it has nothing to do with the Confederacy. The Ku Klux Klan is planning a rally next month. That's the Ku Klux Klan's terrorist flag that they adopted right after the uh Civil War. And so, again, people are just so ignorant of history that they out here, you know, uh um, arguing with people, standing up for something that they don't even know what, it, what the symbolism or what it, it is that they're standing up for. And they are miseducated just like a whole bunch of black folks and non-white people is, is uneducated. You know, that's what them public school systems is for, to indoctrinate you into white supremacy and that's why we got non-white people running around with so much anti-blackness and wrapping themselves in in the american flag and and so i want to talk later about bacon's rebellion because i think these poor whites have a history of betraying people who have been in the struggle with them and and, and so they just have a history of betrayal all right and so but another thing i learned about bacon's rebellion is it had an element of proxy racism to it. That's where we saw nine white people uniting with white people doing the bidding of white supremacists to oppress the indigenous tribes of America. And that's just sad, and it still continues to this day. So it's not a matter of us bashing them or talking bad about them. No, it is about informing ourselves so that we don't keep repeating the same mistakes. So again, again, what do they say? If you don't know history, you doomed to repeat it. You know, that bad history. We want to repeat good history, not the bad. So again, you know, we have to educate ourselves because we are not going to get that education from an indoctrination uh, center run by white supremacists. All right. Now, uh, also, 
is the CEO of America, y'all know his name, Barack Obama, practicing deception? Or is he serious when it comes to dealing with white terrorism in the USA? Because he is proposing a law. Um, he was down there talking to the mayor of Charleston, and he's proposing this law that would make the Ku Klux Klan and, I suppose, other white nationalist groups to make their membership base public. Now, I, I, I'm on the side of thinking that he's practicing deception because the only thing I want to hear from his mouth, again, not that I trust the United States government, period, to practice justice, but if he, if he want to act like he is concerned about these white terrorists, then he needs to restore the staff to the terrorism unit that tracks these white terrorists and their organizations. So I think he's engaging in deception. I, I might be totally off base maybe he is you know uh being slick or something like that but i i, I just can't you know see it so y'all can y'all can share y'all thoughts on that if time permits we'll delve into other topics and news uh let me give out the phone number 530-881-1400 the access code is 549-032-POUND once you are in the conference line, just hit star six and one if you would like to contribute to this dialogue. I do believe that we have on the line uh my brother, uh Max Parthis. What's going on with you today? Peace, brother Scotty Reed. How you doing today, man? I'm doing as well as can be expected behind these enemy lines, my brother. I am an emotional wreck, man, because, you know, it hasn't been just the past few days for me. It's been the past month or so. I've been on the road all the way out to Boston and Massachusetts and Providence, visited the oldest graveyard in America for Africans, enslaved and free. And I've been involved in all of this stuff that's going on right here in my hometown. And as I mentioned before, you know, the killer came right down the street from me. So I'm just an emotional wreck these past few days. And I'm trying to maintain myself because now is the time, as you said, that we need to make things happen and provide the proper narrative. Most definitely. Now, um, you had an opportunity to attend one of these rallies for that terrorist flag. And so, you know, you know, I had been pushing on through Facebook, you know, to use that as an opportunity for abolitionists to educate these people that slavery ain't never really been abolished. And so can can you, you know, uh, um, tell us, well, first of all, I commend you for your courage for going among them people, you know, because you, you know how they are. They're very violent. They can get violent. And but you handled yourself correctly because you used to dealing with people in the public. So, you know, you handled yourself in a codified manner. And from what you were saying on Facebook, you had a a positive outcome. So, you know, first, what made you decide to go out there? Um, Well, when I've been out there many times for this reason, you know, America is just catching on to what we've been dealing with here in South Carolina and in other states like that. You could look up on my YouTube page and you see video after video of me addressing this very topic over and over and over again. So when I heard that another comrade, an abolitionist of uh, friends of ours, uh, Thomas the Younger, was going out there, I didn't even know they were having a rally. And he put it up and I was like, okay, I'm there. Uh, I'm going to go here because now is the opportunity. There's a crowd there who want answers and they want some direction. And I'm going to go out there and do my best to give them what they need. And and that's what I did. So I rushed out there. And when I got out there, unfortunately, 
the main event had already transpired earlier in that morning. So what was left was the remaining people, which is a pretty large crowd. The dedicated. <laughs> right. Dedicated. So, you yeah. know, the supremacists came out when it was nice and cool in the morning. I didn't get there till noon and they had already jetted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh and, and this was on the, uh, South Carolina State House Capitol grounds. Right underneath that Confederate flag, right on the, uh, State House grounds. Yes. But when I got out there, there was more than enough people on both sides. It was still a rally going on. It just wasn't the you know, hundreds and hundreds that had been there previously, which was even better for me because it gave me the opportunity to take control of the conversation. Okay. And I, I, and first thing I did was I celebrated National FU Day by throwing the finger up to that flag. And then I stood up on top of the, uh, right there on underneath the uh, monument, which has the big symbol CSA right there on it, which means Confederate States of America under that Confederate flag. And I started giving people a history lesson about slavery and what's going on in the United States of America. Everybody stopped and listened uh, rapidly to what I was saying, because as usual, I'm making sense. <laughs> I, I mean, it's really just that simple. People want to hear someone who's making sense, something they can relate to and understand. And I did that for them. And uh, when I was done, I did several interviews with news and media, again, for the same reasons they wanted to hear someone who was making sense. And then I saw an altercation going on over on the side with all of the Confederate people. And I go over there and I look, and there's even brothers and, and, and black brothers and sisters defending the Confederate flag along with these poor white people. I didn't see anyone that looked like they had any wealth about them. It was all poor white people and a couple of poor brothers and sisters out there defending the Confederate flag. So I'd say maybe about 20 of them. And uh, I took it upon myself to walk over there to them and start talking to them in a way that they could relate with me. You know, I, I asked them a few questions. And one of the first things I saw was a little 10-year-old girl holding a Confederate flag uh, there's a picture of it on my Facebook page of this this little girl who was being brainwashed, like literally she's being brainwashed. And I asked her and her father their names and we started talking and we started talking about poverty and we started talking about the conditions that they live in. And then I started explaining to them why they live in those conditions and what's happening to them just as much as it's happening to us. See, what we always say is 60%. Well, hold up, Max. And I, and I know you, but you know, we got people that'll take things the wrong way, but it's not, I, I don't think it's happening as much to them as it is to non-white people in this country. If we look at the prison slave, you know, population, we know who's the most enslaved in this country, but, um, go ahead, bro. So what I broke down to them is that, you know, we often say, even here on our programs, that 60% or more of the people in these prisons are people of color, right? And that's a right. fact. But the other 40% is white people, <laughs> you know? Right, right. And you're right, though. My bad, man. But just for the sake of the listeners, I don't want anybody to take what you said the wrong way. But then I want y'all out there to consider who he was speaking to. Right. I was speaking to white people and a few brothers and sisters who were defending the Confederate flag. So I wanted to impress upon them that that problem is shared by both of us. Of course, we make up a small percentage, but we make up the majority of the prisons, but they are not immune. Nobody is safe. 
and it's affecting them in these tragic ways as well. And once I got through to them on that level, I started talking to them about abolition. And oh, they were wrapped, rapidly caught up into what I was saying about it and in complete agreement. And in no less than 15 or 20 minutes of conversation between these people as equals, they agreed with me 100% and decided then that they were abolitionists. Now, when you say you talk to them about abolitionism, can you be more specific about what you were telling them? Did you tell them about the 13th Amendment, Did you know, so on, so on? Absolutely. That was the things I mentioned. I showed them the proof uh, of how the 13th Amendment never abolished slavery. And I happened to be wearing my T-shirt with the 13th Amendment on it right there so they could read it right there in front of me. And then um, I broke to the, down to them what we mean by abolition, uh, meaning to get rid of all of these private prisons that are dotting the landscape and destroying communities and selling human beings on the open market in the form of prison stocks and jail bonds. And uh, I also broke down to them how we are not interested in reform because we don't want to see prisoners with bunny slippers, health care, and soft pillows. We want freedom. We want those people out of there, uh, at least a million and a half people who shouldn't even be in these cells, who are there for no other reason than to be bought and sold on the open market in the form of those stocks, which I described. So we wanted, they, they were in full agreement as to uh, getting rid of private prisons. As a matter of fact, most of them didn't even realize private prisons had become such a problem in the United States. Again, these are... Uh, I hate to say it like this, but they, they lack a certain level of education. So they're not really familiar with what's going on in the world. They only know what's happening around them. Well, wouldn't and, you uh, say that's true of most people, regardless of racial classification? Yes, that, that is true. And as you've shown in a video about uh, how the 13th Amendment exception clause, and, and there is a conspiracy in the media to hide the exception clause. So, you know, those things were part of the conversation that we had. Um, it, it was just sad to see in the beginning, but I felt really good afterwards for the fact that I was able to cross these boundaries with them and come to a common ground. Again, you know, we say 60% or more African Americans, people of color in these prisons, but 40% of them or 30% of them are white people, and they are being affected by that to a large degree. Yeah, I would say, I, I would say that, um, if I can remember statistics correctly, I think where most of those end up, most white people end up is in jails because, um, in the prisons, what I see, and this is excluding the, the immigration detention prison plantations, but, um, it's black people, um, are in there. They make up the, uh, the most, um, of enslaved people in this country, then followed by Hispanics, mm -hmm. and then followed by white people, right. then followed by uh, Native Americans, people classified as Native Americans. But, you know, black people, um, Hispanics, and Native Americans are in there disproportionate to their percentages of the people who have taken part in the census, you know, that, that has been counted. And that helped them to understand the oppression being done upon people of uh, color here in the United States, those percentages, because I did quote all those percentages to them. I tried to take some a page out of your notebook with using codified language when speaking to particular people, because, you know, I'm kind of stubborn with that. <laughs> but mm -hmm. I, I tried my best, and it was effective. Uh, thank you for the advice uh, that you received from Neely Fuller. 
Right, you're right. I just, I was about to say that, that I, I saw a video of Neely Fuller, uh, talking about, uh, codification. And when you talking to white people, like in a public setting, um, in a town hall meeting, even if you dealing with a, a white person individually, 101. And especially if you suspect them of practicing racism, then if you want to have a constructive dialogue, then don't frame it in issues of race, frame it in issues of justice and injustice. So I thought that was pretty uh logic based, you know, suggestion from Mr. Neil Fuller. And so I shared it with other people. Right. And I took a page out of that notebook and I also uh, took a page out of the notebook of uh sister Marlanda uh, Sapien Soul, who, uh, uses dialogue to cross bridges and you know as a poet that's one of the things i'm pretty good at so i i, I use that and I, I didn't just talk to the confederates i went over to the police as well there was about three or four police gathered together doing pretty much nothing but watching and i said hey can i talk to you guys for a minute just personally off the record no videos no recording just us talking and they said, sure, come on up with his talk. And I sat down there and I explained to these police, two of them were black policemen and two white policemen. And I explained to them exactly what I would explain on new abolitionist radio regarding the 13th Amendment, regarding what's going on with mass incarceration, regarding their role that they play in it. And I also told them, I understand you don't have the right, nor are you in a position to uh, refuse to enforce laws that are made. But at the same time, you're playing this huge role in this mass roundup of people. And mm -hmm. uh, they sat and listened to me. They, they didn't say too much as far as uh, being able to reply. I guess that's because of who they were and where they were at the time. Mm -hmm. But they were willing to listen to me. And for that, I appreciate it. Now, again, you have to tailor the message for the audience. And so why I would tell the listeners right now that cops do have a choice, and I actually pointed that out in the uh, graphic that I made of the two black cops waiting to arrest uh, Bree uh, Newsom. And, mm -hmm. and, and James uh, Tyler, I believe his name is. And, and so you do, cops do have a, a discretion. And, and I use this as an example. When I was like, and I think I was like maybe 18, 19 years old, maybe even 20 years old. It was right before I had went into the military. So me and my friends is hanging out at this club. All right. So we decide, oh, we're going to go into the car and we're going to smoke some weed. Right. Car all smoked up, whatever. Next thing we know, here come a flashlight shining into the car. Of course, what we did was very stupid, you know. And so then it's two cops. And so then they make us get out the car. And, and then they say, you know, where the weed at? And so gave them the weed. They dump it out on the ground and said, don't let us catch you out here again. And and you shouldn't be out here smoking this stuff and you shouldn't be smoking it. And so don't let us catch you out here again because the next time you, we're going to take you to jail. And so they left and we took our butts right back into that club. So they do have discretion. They yeah. do. They have the discretion to give you warnings. You ever heard of people getting warnings as opposed to getting a ticket? So they do have discretion. And so, you know, I would tell any cop out there, you don't have to keep following these orders. When I was in the military, again, right after that, still a very young man. I first became aware of what a conscientious objector was is because when we got ready to to be deployed 
to uh uh our 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 battalion was getting deployed to Saudi Arabia but this was the Gulf War uh Desert Storm Desert Shield and this one guy said I ain't going I nope I ain't going I'm a conscientious objector and this was actually an officer and he refused to go now you know you might say well what did you sign up for well most people don't sign up cause they wanna go war and wanna kill people they like me signed up so that they could get money for college or some of the other benefits that are afforded um, to veterans and, and what not depending upon how long they stay in there so you don't have you don't have to do anything you know what I'm saying you can choose to say no I'm not going to do this now this is one of the things Max I was thinking about the dilemma with these body cams because if those cops that had had caught me and my friends when we were stupid little teenagers or I ain't going to call us stupid uh, immature uninformed uh, teenagers making mistakes as we you know growing up in this world now those those cops certainly showed discretion there they certainly showed discretion there and they could have messed us up I wouldn't have been able to go into the military you know if they had arrested us and that would have been on my record and so you know we don't have to do these things we do not have to do them and and so you know if, if it, that is how I also feel like black people participate in white supremacy it's because we think that we have to do these things instead of taking a stand and practicing justice, that we are willing to practice injustice, including slavery, because we want a paycheck and a pension. Yes. So. Yes. And you, when you say they don't have to do it, you mean in a reference to like what New York City Police did uh, a couple of months ago. Right. Had this huge slowdown of ticketing and arresting people for nonviolent reasons and things like that. But we also seen the result of that where New York came out and said, you better get back to what you were doing because you're costing us $10 million a week in revenues. Right. The NYPD wasn't doing it because they thought it was wrong to steal wealth from poor people. They weren't doing a work stoppage because right. they thought that, you know, it's wrong for us to be out here arresting people engaged in nonviolent people activity that they've been engaged in for since the dawn of humanity. So, you know, no, they were doing it in opposition to the mayor because he gave a speech about his 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 son who is, has a black parent the mayor is white of course but the uh his son's uh mother is black and said that he's had to have that conversation about racial profiling with his son and so they got in had a little pissy hissy fit and then so we well, we gonna show you we bring in two million dollars a year to this city and so we gonna do a work stoppage and I've heard that that also happened in Baltimore as well so uh, that right there I'm glad you used that Max that's a great example of they don't have to do a darn thing in terms of practicing injustice and you pointed out something too that I hadn't even considered with the body cameras. Body cameras could help, could hurt us in the overall scheme of things because it takes away police discretion. Right, so right. Record it now. You could run up on a 12 year old with a single joint in a place where weed is illegal and you have to arrest them now because it's documented. You right. Can't say right. let them go. Right. 
Right. It, 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 you know, I heard that there are different rules to these body cams. You know, I guess it's going to depend on the department rules they come up with or if it's going to be state laws that they have to do or when they need to turn those on. And I had lost my train of thought. Thank you for reminding me, but that's a dilemma that we have to look at, you know, but again, it's not like a lot of these cops out here are letting people, you know, go. And not ruin their their lives over non-violent victimless crimes because, you know, it's a reason. It's because of every cop out there on the street that um, that the United States has the world's largest prison slave labor force. Cops put them there. Yes, that's exactly what happens. They all go into these jails and prisons because the cop put them in there. Very few people just walk into this, these prisons uh, willingly. Mm-hmm. And, and and another thing, though, too, also is, again, you know, know your audience. And when I was engaging uh, racist suspects in my county online uh, through the local newspaper who has a Facebook page, you know, I was telling them, look at the look at the uh, county lockup on Gaston Gazette's page. Who do you see? Who do you see? It's the majority of these. People. It's y'all poor white folks that's in there and filling up the jails. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, you want to deal in these stereotypes about black criminality, but I can sit there and I can show you, you can go to your own uh, racist suspect media and see just how many of you po-white people using drugs is being arrested. So, you know, you, you, you just really don't understand what is going on around you. So, yeah, Max, I'm going to take a short station identification break. I want to open up the phone lines for anybody that may have some questions for you or want to share an opinion. Again, that telephone number is 530-881-1400. Let me give it again. That's 530-881-1400. Once you're in, it'll ask you for a participant code. That code is 549-032-POUND. Again, that's 549-032-POUND. We already got people that's dialed in that, that, you know, listen over the phone. But if any time you would like to ask a question, make a comment, hit star six and one on your keypad. And that will uh, signal me and we will get your phone call in. You're listening to Black Talk Radio News, part of the Black Talk Radio Network, broadcasting this program every Monday through Friday at 4 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. Stay tuned. We'll be right back on the other side. We do whatever we do to survive. Drop it! tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. And welcome back. Again, my name is Scotty Reed. Uh, My guest is a member of the Black Talk Radio Network family, co-host, co-producer of New Abolitionists Radio, which airs every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time right here on Black Talk Radio Network. Uh, Max is also, as you just heard, an abolitionist and a spoken word poet. And um, so let's go to this 
uh, we got a couple of callers, and we're going to go to the uh, first caller is uh, in as an anonymous. Uh, you should Hello. have heard your line being unmuted. Please go ahead and share your comment or question. Am I on the line? Yes, you are. Gentlemen, how you guys doing? Um, not going to complain too much. Good, good. Quick, quick comment about the CNN network. I, I'm not a regular viewer, but for the last two weeks since those two guys escaped from that upstate prison, yes, they've had these so-called ex-offenders who are supposed to give insight into the prison life. And I've caught five so-called experts giving they given information about ex-offenders and offenders and how the prisons and the in, how the guards and the inmates interact. Five of them have been white. One this morning was a white female. And if you were to not know anything about the New York State prison population, you would think, an outside observer would think, that all the inmates, most if not all, are white people. And it's, it's disturbing to me and it's troubling. Well, I guess it depends on what areas, um, you know, I don't live in New York State, but I imagine like Rikers Island is like predominantly black people. What's that? That's a city jail, Rikers Island. Right, right, right. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so I, I don't know, sir, but I do know national statistics and national mm -hmm. statistics show that non-white people are enslaved the most in these prisons. But again, I live in a rural area, 80% white, and all I see in the jail is, well, not all, but 80% of the prisoners in lockup in the jail waiting to go to trial is white. But what I think happens and I think has been proven by many other studies is that, you know, they get separate, they get separate justice, meaning they get lighter penalties. They may not get prison. They may get probation, you know, so, or, or, you know, instead of getting 20 years, they might get 10 years. But still though, there are a lot of white people who are in prison. Well, let me throw this at you guys. Clinton, which is where Dan Moore is located at, mm -hmm. the racial makeup is 51% black, 23% white, and 24% Hispanic. But if you watch the CNN coverage, mm -hmm. they will have you believe that the most inmates are white, and it's deceiving. But we know where CNN stands. Yeah, I see what you're saying, sir. Yeah. You're talking about deception being practiced yeah, exactly. in media. Yeah. As you know, if you control the media, you control the minds. Right, right. And the perception. Right, right. And yeah. here's another perception, though. Again, I'm not bashing anyone, but mm -hmm. this is part of our conversation on, um, I came up with a term I call proxy racism, mm -hmm. and, and it, it attempts to explain how non-white people assist the system of white supremacy by taking certain jobs and never questioning what they are actually doing. And I know in most of, because I've had friends who have been in prison over the year, I still got one of my best friends from high school who's in, in, in prison. But when I have visited them, here, like in Lincoln County, was a prison my younger brother was locked up in. A lot of the guards was black. Yeah. Well, also, I believe, I don't know if it was CNN, I think it was MSNBC, one of their hosts recently had to come out and apologize because of a <clears throat> story they did on several murderers, and the people that they portrayed were all black murderers. They had one white murderer in there, and they didn't think that was racist. 
But as you just said, they make you think that all the prisoners are white except the murderers. The murderers are all black. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One and, last point, gentlemen. One last point sure. about the president. Uh, like anyone else, I had high hopes. And I vote the first time, but not the second time. My problem with the president is he has surrounded himself for the past six or seven years with these white elitists. The man is too comfortable around whites. Except for Eric Holder and this new attorney general and the the former secretary who was fired, the black guy, I've got his name. Colin Powell? No, the... No, um, I'm sorry. Van, Van, I think it's Van something? Van, something. Van Jones. He was on... Uh, yeah, Van uh, Jones. Yeah, he, he resigned yeah. or he was fired. Yeah. Except for those three. I know, I know there's some low-level cabinet people, but press secretaries, the ones who are on the air, the ones who run the administration, are all white. Mm-hmm. And they're white elitists. And this president feels very comfortable around these people. And that bothers me because black folks are watching, all right? And he had a great opportunity to, to put black people in those positions, visible positions, so black kids can say, whoa, I can be a press secretary. Whoa, I can be a, a secretary of defense or, or a secretary of state. And that's my problem with, with the president. I've given up on him. He's an elitist, uh, and he feels very comfortable with this Harvard and Yale and Stanford elite. Well, I think you need to also consider uh, one of the reasons he's so comfortable around them is because he was raised by them. Yeah, that's true. Good point. And you hopped on that before, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, brother. Well, I want to thank you for calling in and sharing your perspective. Okay, guys. Good job Thanks. as usual. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, Max, did you have any follow-up mm-hmm. commentary on what the points that uh, our caller raised there? Well, you know, he was talking about people being black people being in these positions of power and you know we've been seeing that that often leads to corruption there was a recently uh, just a couple of days ago a news report came out about Ferguson and we've been talking about this prior to this documentary that they released from this news organization regards to how they're using ticketing schemes to profit off the population and using these uh, massive amounts of, uh, of warrants that are out for the black population in those cities and stuff like that. And I was looking at it, and it turned out that the chief himself of the police department that's doing this is a black man. And we also know that the head of all the prisons across the United States is a black man. So it seems like every time we get into these the positions... Bri- I'm sorry, the Bureau of, of Federal Prisons is what you're talking about, right. BOP. BOP is another brother. Uh, and again, Mississippi, the head of the Mississippi prisons out there, uh, I believe is... What was his name, Scotty? I can't recall his name, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, the head of the Mississippi prisons just faced 384 years uh, for corruption because he was being paid off by these private prisons and literally selling black bodies again for profit. So it seems like every time we get into these positions of power, we just become a part of the problem, and that frightens me. Right. Now, I understand about having, I understand where the caller was coming from about having uh, role models, because that's what he's talking about. He's talking about our young, you know, um, brothers and sisters out there having having role models to aspire to be. But I I would because and this is me. This is me. I'm a revolutionary. Okay, I want this 
um, you, this corporation in the United States of America is a corporation. I want it to be dissolved. And let's just start over from scratch and come up with something else. You know, so, so I just think that it's utterly corrupt and that when our people get up in those positions, it's not them changing the system, but the changing, the system is changing them. They right. may go in there with good intentions, all the great intentions in the world. People may become cops with all the great intentions of helping the community and this and that. But then once they get in there, well, we know the system overall is corrupt. And so, you know, if they act like they want to do something that's actually justice-based, like saying, you know, turning cops in for beating up handcuffed suspects, like we saw a former detect Baltimore detective Joe Glass did, but he was a white person who, who snitched on him. Uh, you know, the system then attacks them. Look at the whistleblowers. Look at what happens to the whistleblowers in this country. A black man who was in the CIA, Jeffrey Skilling, right? He saw all of this torture, all of this murder, all of this, 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 un, uh, what was, what's the word? Uh, lawlessness going on in the CIA. He tried to work in the system to bring attention to this incorrect, unlawful behavior, criminality. And what happened to him? Well, he, they destroyed his career. The president is prosecuting him and he's on his way to prison if he ain't there already. We have seen it time and time again. Look at Edward Snowden, a CIA contractor. Well, wait a minute. Who was he contracted with? The NSA contractor who's seeing all of this lawlessness that's being going on in this agency that he working with, working for. And so I'm sure before he did what he did, he probably asked questions about, is this right? The 14th Amendment, I mean, the Fourth Amendment of the Constitution says, you know, that there should be no warrantless, you know, searches and, and, and things of that. And here we are just snatching up everybody's information without warrants. This is wrong. And so I'm sure he he might have worked through the channels. But then he saw that, look, these people ain't trying to do nothing, right? So what I'm going to do is gather evidence, and I'm going to turn it over to certain people in the media who can get it out there, and I'm leaving the country. So we have seen people. We have seen people. We have examples of people in the government who, for whatever reasons, that they decide that they are going to not go alone to get alone and that they're going to stand on the side of justice instead of injustice. And we see each and every time what happens to them. They are targeted. What happened to John Kennedy? What happened to John Kennedy when he told them racist suspects, no, we're not going to invade Cuba and, and, and interfere with those people's self-determination that, you know, they have thrown off their dictator and whatnot. And, and, and of course, you know, Kennedy, y'all, I know racist suspect, whatever. But, and I'm just using that one instance where he said no to the military industrial complex and look what happened to him they killed him so I just have no faith whatsoever in this system and I tell my children uh, you know who are young women now no don't join the military no find another way to to if you want to go to school find there's another way where there's a will there's a way and you know I'm trying to inform them again I'm not discouraging anybody that wants to go that route in the people activity area of politics 
but I just don't want you to go in, you know, without being aware of what you up against. Ask Cynthia McKinney. Ask Cynthia McKinney. What happened to her when she went in there and she blew the whistle on Dying Core over there, you know, engaging in, in, in human trafficking, you know, and, and raping little girls and stuff in Africa when she asked, what the hell happened to the one trillion dollars that's missing from the Pentagon? And so, you know, she, she did a number of things. Stood up to George Bush and what happened? The Democratic Party found another, uh, they found them a black proxy racist to take her place and work to undermine her, causing her to lose her seat in that district of Georgia. So that, that is, that is all I wanted to share on the point of, you know, um, these people working in government being examples. No, they are not examples for our children. Jeffrey Skilling, the black man in the CIA that blew the whistle, he's in it. He is a good role model for our children. Cynthia McKinney, mm-hmm. she's a good role model for our children. And, and I'm sure she isn't the first one. There's been, uh, you know, throughout history, people who have stood up, you know, and done what's right. They worked in government, but the system always chews them up and spits them out. Let's go to the next caller. Um, let me see. Uh, this is area code 240. Thank you for calling in. Go ahead and share uh, your comment or ask a question. Hey, what's going on, Brother Scotty? Hey, how you doing? Pretty good, pretty good under the circumstances. How you doing, Brother Max? I'm enjoying both of y'all passing and what y'all talking about, and I like your terminology of proxy racism. Yeah, that proxy racism really is fitting, and it's the same thing we had to deal with in the 1800s where other black people would be overseers or they would be uh, the people who would watch the plantation and make sure nobody escaped. And it reminds me very much of what we see today. You know, when I think about the majority of probation officers and prison guards are people of color, you know, that impresses upon me just how little black lives matter to many black people. They even got like black bails bondsmen starting new businesses as bails bondsmen. Mm -hmm. And uh, you might think you're helping the people out with this, but really you're a part of the problem. And, you know, when you think about it even further, if you remember the uh, commissioner out in New York, told all the black people, said, look, we'd like to hire more black people, but all you guys are criminals. So you can't get a job in the New York Police Department, but you can be a prison guard, you can be a probation officer. See, the best way to oppress a people is to make them do it to themselves. Mm-hmm. That's part of that mental slavery. And and, and so then also, I, I, I think about this. You know, I don't know where this phrase came from, but I heard somebody say, when you point the finger at somebody else, you got three of them pointing right back at you. And so, and for credibility purposes, we can't sit up here and bang on the system of white supremacy without pointing out our role in it and correcting our behavior. We can't talk about what some poor white person is out there doing incorrect without also, uh, it's just our credit, it's just for credibility purposes. Now we know the real reasons why a lot of black people, you know, engage in, in petty crime and stuff like that because the system has created the conditions of poverty in these areas that where these people are, are committing crimes of survival. 
Not to excuse it. I don't think that you should be harming anyone else, even though you're trying to survive. You know what I'm saying? That's in, that's incorrect, but I understand it. I understand it. But at the, at the end of the day, the white supremacist is the, at the root cause of all of this. And, and this is just me, but I believe it take two to tango. That I think that if we could convince the majority, 99% of, and I don't like using that phrase, but I want to be, I'll just use the fullest phrase. If we can get 99% of non-white people throughout the world to stop cooperating with racist white supremacists, that we could end white supremacy in a day or two. Did you have any other comments, brother? Keep up the good work, brothers. I'm enjoying Thank the show. You, All right. <laughs> Thanks. Appreciate you tuning in for sure. All right. I'm going to uh, uh, clear the queue. It's Q&A not, queue is cleared. It's not going to uh, hang up on anyone that's dialed in, but if you have a question or a comment, you can hit star six and one, star six and one. Max, how 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 long do I have you? Um, as long as you need me, Scotty. I got, I'm got. i going to be later on this evening at a town hall meeting in Columbia, South Carolina, where I'll be speaking there again. Uh, and that's going to be at the uh, Le Cafe Jazz in Finley Park, and it's from 6 to 9 p.m. So I'm here with you until then. I'm only a half an hour away from that spot. Okay. All right. Good, good. Uh, I probably will be going up until 6 o'clock. You said you got to be there at what time? It's from 6 to 9, but I can be a little bit late. It's no, 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 no. We, we're not going to cause you to be late. Um, <laughs> you know, whenever you have to go, just uh you know just let us know but but that's my main thing scotty is i'm not trying to convince millions of people i want to sit down and talk to one person and and work it through with them and if i can change one mind that goes out into a ripple effect fortunately i've been able to do that for more than one person at a time but that's how we all should be don't try to change the world change your sister's mind change your brother's mind change your mother's mind bring it to them because they don't know Sit down with them one-on-one and have a real conversation about slavery in America today and explain to the, the to them the things that they're not aware of. And that's how I treat every uh, uh, interaction that I have and how I treat it tonight when my neighbors and my friends and my family is filling that room. And this is my second time coming there saying the same thing. And now I look like kind of a prophet because I told them these things were occurring and going to occur in 2012. And here we are in 2015 with all the facts to back it up. Most definitely. Well, when we come back on the other side, um, what do I want to jump to next? Um, I'm going to go out of order than what I had posted in today's program description. But I want to talk about the true meaning of what that confederacy stood for, because I think a lot of those whites that are out there, racist suspects that are out there supporting that flag, I feel like you don't even know the history. You don't even know what was really going on. And and I recently, my eyes were opened up to it. And I mean, recently, I mean, like in the last two weeks by doing research on my own county, because I live in the south. I live in North Carolina, our county border, South Carolina. And it was three counties that I know of in, in North Carolina that joined the Confederacy. The rest of them didn't. 
you know, and there were even black people who joined the, from North Carolina. And I found this out too, that there were hundreds of black people from North Carolina who, who took part in the Revolutionary War, you know, before there was ever a United States. And, and that's just how long our history goes in, in this particular um, uh, state. But I, I just want to talk about that, that history, cause these people, they can't know this history. They can't know this history. I mean, you would already think that you think, you would think if they were thinking logically that it's wrong for me to be out here celebrating or honoring my racist great great grandfather, uh, who, who went off the battle for, you know, uh, slavery, to practice slavery. And let's not play games. The Confederacy made it clear in their documents that that was one of the primary reasons that they, uh, were were withdrawing from the union because they were in fear that 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 liar Abraham Lincoln was going to interfere with the institution of slavery and as we pointed out on New Abolitionist Radio on this program he sent letters to a Georgia congressman that was his friend saying look I'm and I'm paraphrasing look y'all might have heard that I was going to abolish slavery but nothing could be further from the truth so tell your little cousins down there that they ain't got nothing to worry about but see they didn't believe him they didn't believe him because he was part of the Republican party which was established as an abolitionist platform but he was just playing doing what a lot of politicians do tell people what they want to hear so that they can get the votes and once they get up in there they, they then do the bidding of the rich, wealthy, uh, class of people in this country. So, um, yeah, we're going to take another break and then when we come back, we're going to get into some of that history, um, that I uncovered. All right. You're listening to Black Talk Radio News. My name is Scotty Reed and I'm broadcasting from behind these enemy lines known as USA Inc. Stay tuned. This is Ron Hayes with Hood News and you're listening to the Black Talk Radio Network. Stay tuned.
It will give the illusion that it's not about race. That white supremacy is officially out of business. So there will be more of these white sacrifices and they will be greatly visible. But compared, compared to the number of white people who will be prospering, it will be very negligible worldwide. Welcome back to Black Talk Radio News. Remember the telephone number if you would like to make a comment, you have an observation that you want to share, you have a question, because we all supposed to be trying to figure this thing out. I don't know everything. I read a lot, but I can't read everything. You know what I'm saying? And and I may be wrong on some stuff, but if you can logically make me see where I'm wrong and present an alternative theory or solution or your your analyzing uh, of your an- analysis of the problem, then hey, who am I to to say no to the truth? Okay. Hey, yes. I would like to report an attempted mass murderer, a mass murder right here on new on on uh, blacktalkradionetwork.com today. Uh we reported on it before, but there's uh more than enough proof that a company that provides the food for Rikers Islands has been putting rat poison in the food. That is attempted mass murder. If it was happening in a school, People would want executions right now because some nefarious, corrupt, evil corporation was trying to kill their children. But in a prison, nobody's saying nothing. It's perfectly fine to try to kill as many prisoners as you can with rat poison. Well, you you know somebody out there, I hope nobody listening to this program is saying that, but you know we heard them. They'll say, well, hey, if they didn't do the crime, they wouldn't be in there to get poisoned by rat poison. But consider this. 70, I've heard as high as 80% of the people who are in prison are in prison. They didn't rape nobody. They didn't molest no children. They certainly didn't run up in a church and gun down nine people. You know, they, they didn't harm any other individual. They simply used uh what what the U.S. government calls a controlled substance. Now, think about that. You know, you want to talk about, let's use their language, big government and, and government overreaching and all this. Here is a plant and the most used plant in the world or most used drug is, is, is cannabis. Y'all might know it as marijuana, also known as weed. That grow, you know how it got the term weed? Cause it is a weed. It grows like weeds. It's edible. You can also eat it. It's got cousins called hemp. Uh, the hemp plant, which you make rope out of, you can make paint thinner, oil, all kind of stuff. This is something that God, the creator, has created and given to us to use. It has medicinal benefits. And so the most people that's in there for nonviolent drug crimes is in there because of a plant that the creator has given us. All right. Now, you might say, well, some of them using heroin and, and they having overdoses and stuff like that. Well, guess what? They shouldn't be in prison anyway. They should be in a drug rehab if they want help. 
Now, if you were one of those people that believe in abortion, a woman's right to choose, then apply that same argument to another person's right to choose what, not what they take out their body, but what they put into their body. Long as they not harming anyone else. And, and I'm not going to go down that road, but I like to know how all of this heroin is making it from Afghanistan over here into America, but we ain't going to talk about that today. Okay. All right. So. There, uh, like I mentioned, I had been doing research on um, the Confederacy, uh, well, really the Civil War locally here in my county because they got a monument to a Confederate soldier in front of the courthouse. Totally inappropriate place to have that. They got a Confederate monument in front of the Stanley Community Center where we go vote every year. Not every year, but when there's an election, whether it's a local or state or federal election, that's where we go. And, and these things are strategically placed. They're not in those locations by accident. That's to let you know that that slavery has never been abolished. And when we get you up in this courthouse, guess what? We about to send you back into slavery. All right. And and when they sitting in front of a polling place, well, we know that that's an intimidation to to stop black people from voting. That you know, it's the it's it's the subliminal messages that people ain't getting. All right. So anyway, I started doing research. Right. And so this is what I found out about the county that I live in. And, and, and this is, uh, I'm, let me get these people's names. This is a, a essay that was authored by James Whitney, uh, Caleb Royster and Alec Loeb. And they, uh, this is, uh, posted on the University of North Carolina's website. It's, um, I'll share that link for those that want to take a look at it. I have shared it before. Give me just a second. Let me pull up our Facebook page, Black Talk Radio Network. And I will show that I will share this in the comments section for today's program, uh, which is posted there. Uh, let me see. Is it posted there? Yes, it is. Uh, I believe it is. Hold up. I see Political Prisoner Radio. Did I publish it? I think I did. I swear. I thought I did. Behind enemy lines. Here it is. Okay. Behind enemy lines at a Confederate flag rally. I'm posting it now. Look, Tom Dalton, don't be stalking me, bro. All right. Uh, Chad Factor. Look, man, I'm not interested in squabbling with other black people so you know so I have and let me just delete this cause this ain't got nothing to do with the post let me ban Tom Dalton alright commemorative landscapes of North Carolina is the title of the post that I just shared on Black Talk Radio Network's Facebook page under the post for today's program Black Talk Radio News now I'm going to skip down to some of this and it's looking at this in 18... 18- 60 and 1861, uh, which I think was the first year when the um, uh, Civil War kicked off. And it, it told me a lot. Now, well, I'm going to share this. Voters in Gaston and Cleveland counties voted heavily in favor of a convention. This was a convention that they had to um, see if North Carolina wanted to succeed from the Union. All right. So voters in Gaston and Cleveland counties voted heavily in favor of the convention in hopes that it would endorse succession. Already in November 1860 and three months before the referendum, Cleveland County hosted one of the first succession rallies in the state. Perhaps the only surprise about the referendum vote in the county was the near 
uh, unanimity of the support for a convention. Nearly 92% of voters in the county favored it. So, yeah, here in Gaston County where my family has roots going well, hell, my great great grandmother was Cherokee. All right, so and and so I'm descendants of Cherokees and Africans. So we always been here before these racist suspects came flooding in here like locusts. All right, so anyway, you know they 92 percent of them voted in favor of seceding from the union. The level of support for the convention was nearly as high in Gaston County. Okay, where 84% of voters favored it. So that other one was 92% in Cleveland County where they caught Dylan Roof. All right, that's Cleveland County. Shelby and all, that's Cleveland County. All right, so 84% here in Gaston County support it. Now, here, now pay attention to this part right here. What explains the exceptionally high level of support for a convention and secession in these two counties? Neither Cleveland nor Gaston County was home to large slave plantations that were characteristic of counties in the eastern coastal plain of the state, where support for secession was also high. Slave, I don't like using this language. I'll adopt my own language. Enslaved Africans accounted, because people don't call them slaves, change your language. They were enslaved. They weren't slaves, all right? Enslaved Africans accounted for only 18% of Gaston County's population in 1860. Only 360 of the 9,307 white residents of the county owned slaves. And it was, a, it, it, again, I, I'm a black person, so you know, if I, my family was not enslaved Africans, then it had to be some free black folks in this county. I have not found any information that any free black families in this county owned any, or, or enslaved anyone. Alright? So, anyway, it went on, it went on to say, uh, let me see, 360 of the 9,000 307 white residents of the county owned slaves in, or enslaved people. Of those enslavers, only 33 own as many as 10 enslaved human beings and only one own as many as 40. Enslaved holdings represented an even smaller proportion of the population in neighboring Cleveland County. Now we hear these racist suspects all the time saying my ancestors didn't enslave nobody and all this and that. And they're telling the truth. They are telling the truth. So if your ancestors didn't enslave anyone, why you out there want to honor a flag that stands for enslaving people? You know, you would think that you would be, I don't mean to go off on a tangent, but somebody said, uh, posted something on Facebook and said, they shared a meme and it was saying, you know, you got African American history, you got Latino history, you got this here. How come when you're talking about white history, it's racist? Well, that's because y'all, the history that y'all celebrating is racist. Y'all celebrate, y'all honor racist and white supremacist. George Washington was a racist white supremacist enslaver. Okay? Thomas Jefferson. A rapist, a rapist enslaver. Christopher it's Columbus. C- Christopher Columbus. These are the people you honor. 
So that's the history that you chose to, to celebrate. Well, that's why it's racist. Cause you're not celebrating the John Browns. Okay. You're not celebrating the Angela Krimkeys or, you know, people that white abolitionists. You, that's not the history that you embracing. No, you embracing the enslavers history. So that's why it's racist. All right. So I hope I cleared that up for you in case you was confused. Anyway. It said, um, in, okay, there in Cleveland County, they made up around 17% of the county's population and only 383 of the county's 12,348 whites enslaved Africans. Whites su- support for secession in these two counties then cannot be wholly explained by their in- extensive investment in slave property okay because again enslaved Africans was viewed as property working the farms working the plantations and all of that so that's telling you that these white poor white people were not benefiting from the institution of slavery and matter of fact most of them were starving because they couldn't find a job because of these rich wealthy 300 and something white folks didn't care to hire Poor white trash, and that's their word, not mine. White people came up. White supremacists came up with that word, poor white trash. Black people didn't come up with that, all right? And and so they didn't want to give poor white trash a job when they could just enslave Africans and make them work for free, all right? And so then your butt, your ancestor running around here starving, begging uh, these rich white supremacists, Mister, can I please hunt on your land to get some squirrels? My my wife and children is is at home starving, and I just didn't catch enough fish, and I want to hunt some deer so I could feed my family. You know, begging him, begging the rich white supremacists, Mister, can I have a piece of ply on your land? Cause you knows I ain't got no land to plant my own crops. So I, I just want you to do your Christian duty and give me some welfare and charity. See, that's how them poor whites was living in this county. Because they didn't own no land. All right? Those were the job creators of the day. Very much like the job creators of today. You know, and then you was hoping to get a job on the plantation as an overseer. You know, but that's not the vast majority of you. Not here in my county. Because there wasn't no big giant large plantations okay they had a hundred or two hundred enslaved africans that then i need a staff of po white trash to manage them you know what i'm saying and, and so again these people were not benefiting from slavery so it goes on to read max it said in listeners it says but nor should we underestimate the importance of Slavery in Gaston and Cleveland counties just because large slave plantations were not prevalent there. White men there still expired to own slaves, to enslave Africans. Most whites knew or were related to somebody who had slaves and, and whites who did not own any understood the, in, the economic benefits that slavery uh, conferred upon the enslaver. Now, again, they, it's just like today. When you see white people, Republicans mostly in these red states that's getting the most welfare than any other state in this country, 
go white people benefit from it the most but the media tricks you to thinking that non-white people get it the most when they have already taken steps to to trim the roles of black people you know what i'm saying so anyway anyway this is like today where you will have people who are are poor working poor or middle class will vote for a party or politicians and i am not a partisan guy Democrat, Republican, two bird, uh, two wings. I mean, yeah, wings on the same bird. They both practice racism and white supremacy. The Democrats are just more refined in their practice of white supremacy. And, and they will, like Neely Fuller says, showcase black people to make you think that they progressives and all this and that. But they practicing white supremacy. Those are just proxy racist tools. Those non-white people that that's in that party. Because they darn show ain't trying to end slavery in this country. So so anyway, that's when you got white voters who will vote for politicians who want to give tax cuts to the wealthiest white people in this country when those white people don't wealthy white people don't give a damn about you you know what they investing in they investing in prison slave labor mcdonald's walmart target we could go on and on and on and name all the corporations and industries that is using prison slave labor that's why you know they were sending the jobs overseas they don't give a damn about you poor white people that's why they would go overseas to exploit. Now those jobs is coming back, but they ain't coming back to you. Now they're going to the enslaved people on a prison plantation. But you'll still vote for these people to give tax cuts to the wealthy because guess what? You aspire to be wealthy one day. You believe the hype that we can all be millionaires if we just work hard enough and, 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 and do this and do that. And then we, you can be, you know, uh, cruising on the yacht and, and all this and that. And that's just not going to happen. Everybody can't be rich. All right. Everybody can't be wealthy. And that's not even true wealth. You dealing with a fiat currency that's about to collapse. But that's an entirely different subject. So the same mindset that these poor white people in Gaston County, they didn't own any, you know, they weren't enslaving nobody. But they aspired to be enslavers. And so, you know what? I hope that your ancestor got it good. I hope he got ran through with a bayonet by those black union soldiers from North Carolina and from other parts. You know, cause that's, that's, that's the sick people that you worshiping, that you rallying around. That confederacy, see, they tricked you. They tricked you, right? Just like they tricked you doing Bacon's Rebellion to turn on the black indentured servants. And then they said, we'll make you honorary whites, Irish and Scottish people. We'll no longer, you know, uh, enslave you. Let's, let's just, you know, focus on the black people. So you'll be the honorary whites who get to become the slave patrollers, who get to become the police officers and stuff like that. Y'all a bunch of tra- traitorous people. Y'all traitors, man, all the way around. That's your ancestors. That's your legacy. That's your heritage. Learn it. Stop running from it or stop being allowing yourself to be miseducated in these indoctrination centers that give you this false, this false uh, uh, feeling of white supremacy. Max, I've been ranting for a long time. You go ahead, bro. At one time here in South Carolina, it was required by law that all citizens be slave catchers. For uh, and if they didn't, they would be fined and imprisoned. Every citizen in this state 
was required to be a slave catcher. And when we talk about that flag, uh, it's kind of, let's just point to the roots of what that flag is about. And according to Alexander H. Stevens, who was the vice president of the Confederate States, when he wrote the cornerstone speech, he said, the Constitution, it is true, secured every essential guarantee to the institution. And when he say an institution, he means slavery while it should last. And hence, no argument can be justly urged against the constitutional guarantees thus secured because of the common sentiment of the day. Those ideas, however, were fundamentally wrong. They rested upon the assumption of the equality of races. This was an error. It was a sandy foundation, and the government built upon it fell when the storm came and the wind blew. Our new government is founded upon the exact opposite idea. Its foundations are laid, its cornerstones rest upon the great truth that the Negro is not equal to the white man. The slavery subordination to the superior race is his natural and normal condition. This is our new government, is the first in the history of the world based upon this great physical, philosophical, and moral truth. That was what that flag was based on. Mm-hmm. Now, also, um, another thing about that flag, that's a terrorist flag. That flag stopped representing the Confederacy after the Civil War was over. After the North and South came to agreement, too many, too many white people was dying. And so, you know, we're going to end this and we're going to let y'all keep practicing slavery, but you just, you know, got to first you know, build prisons, write black codes and other laws to target black people and then put them back into slavery. That's the only way you can practice slavery now. You know what I'm saying? And and and, and, and so that flag stopped representing the Confederacy and really that flag was not adopted by the entire people who fought on the side of the Confederate States of, of America. That flag is most known for the Northern Virginia regiments fighting under General Robert E. Lee. All right. That's a Northern Virginia flag. Like I heard, I think it was James Clyburn or something giving, dropping some history of that flag on uh, MSNBC. He was like, didn't no regiments in South Carolina fight under that battle flag, that Confederate flag in North Carolina? Those regiments had different flags. It wasn't those Confederate that, you know, what people now, you know, identify as the Confederate flag. No, they all had their own flags. All right. Now, I don't know with the Confederate Congress or whatnot, if they had that, had adopted that as their flag. But in terms of being connected to your state, your county, no, your state and your county had their own battle flags. So that's, so that ain't even, you ain't even correct on the history in that point. That Confederate flags that's flying on the state hap- capital grounds in South Carolina ain't got no history in South Carolina. Except for when, after the Civil War and Nathan Bedford Forrest, I think I said his name right, you know, the founder of the Ku Klux Klan, Right. He adopted that flag for the terrorist organization Ku Klux Klan. And ever since that flag has been associated with terrorists. And and, and if you think I'm lying, then tell me then why the Confederate, um, excuse me, why the KKK 
is planning a South Carolina State House rally because that's their flag. That's the flag of terrorists. They ain't the flag of no honorable soldier. And again, yo, those soldiers that fought for the Confederacy, the poor white trash, they went up there and gave their lives just for rich white people's right to own human beings as property. I mean, why would you even uh, honor? That's not honorable. Those weren't honorable reasons to be going to war. Honorable reasons to go to war is freedom. Fighting for freedom. Not fighting for enslaving somebody. And you know, Larry Wilmore in his comedy skit on Comedy Central pointed out, not only is it a flag used here in the United States to represent uh, terrorism, but in uh, other nations where the Nazi flag has been banned, those uh, racist supremacists there have adopted the Confederate flag in lieu of the Nazi flag to represent their beliefs. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they they portray both of them. They fly both when when they're allowed. Yes, but in certain places it's not even allowed. That flag is not allowed to be anywhere. The Nazi flag. Mm-hmm. So they use that Confederate flag in a replacement of it. And you know, you pointed on how this small minority is leading everybody around by their nose. And that's where I was able to come in and talk to those people down there in South Carolina uh, regarding on, underneath that Confederate flag because they've been programmed. They're being used and abused and manipulated just like the rest of us, and we're being played against each other while this small minority is getting rich in the numbers of upwards of $2 trillion a year if you add the drug war into it because that's a trillion dollar a year failure right there. Well, failure for us, success for them. So these small minorities, maybe maybe a few hundred, literally control everything we're doing. They're programming us to go against each other. Like I said, if we just break it down, think of it in terms of breaking it down, like how that article I shared with you broke it down in my county. Here you had about almost 13,000 whites but only 300 of them was actually engaged in slavery and benefiting from it. The rest of you wasn't. You poor white trash was standing around begging. So I, I don't mean to be derogatory in my language, but y'all be pissing me off around here. You know, y'all pissing me off telling me, and I've had yet one to, to present a logical argument to me on why my family, my cousins, my aunts, my uncles, all of our grandparents and great uncles and stuff is dead now. So it's, you know, it's just my parents generation now and their children and our children. And, and, and so we've been passing this land down from generation to generation. So tell us why I, why we should be paying property taxes so that you can put these freaking monuments on public property that we pay taxes for. Come up with a logical argument if you can to tell me what right do you have to make me pay for your promotion of slavery and terrorism. Because you can't, don't tell me that you honoring your ancestors where your ancestors were unhonorable men who are also sexist. So if you're a white woman, think about that. They were beating you and keeping you barefoot and pregnant up in the house. So, you know what I'm saying? People, y'all need to use logic. Y'all need to read. (laughs) Yeah, I like the 13th Amendment Exception Clause, which is only two freaking sentences. And if you can't read that, there's a problem. 
And, and think about it. Here's another argument. Because many of y'all is flipping out over Obamacare or, or the Affordable Care Act, whatever. You know, look, I don't care nothing about the Affordable Care Act. It ain't helping me. And I, you know, I don't support it one, and I'm not against it. I don't know that much about it. But then for you, for people in your whatever party you following to, to compare that to slavery, forcing you to buy insurance, comparing that to slavery when we have real slavery going on, you know, they they force you to buy car insurance, don't they? Or you can't drive your car. They force you to pay taxes on that car. You can't drive that car. You know what I'm saying? They've been forcing you to do a whole lot of stuff, but you ain't calling it slavery because it ain't slavery. It might be oppression. It might be tyranny. It might be taxation without representation. If you want to be stupid enough to believe them people in Washington, D.C. represent you, then go ahead and be stupid. But it's actually taxation without representation because they don't represent the, 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 the masses in this country. Hey, Scotty, I want to point out one more thing that you brought up, and then I'm probably going to have to call it a day okay, so I can okay. get ready to go to the next thing, unless there's any other questions. Uh, uh, no, have. nobody has uh, called in to ask a question uh, yet. You were, you were talking about how you know people don't want to accept the fact that they benefit off this today, this slavery today. And Tim Wise, although we, neither one of us liked Tim Wise, he did make a great analogy regarding how that works on a corporate level. It's like white America is walking into this new corporation, this new generation of white America. And let's say the uh, chief accounting's officer walks into as the new person in charge of accounts. And he says, okay, I'm going to take all these assets and we're going to use them. I'm going to take all this wealth and we're going to use them. But that debt, we don't owe that. That wasn't me. That was somebody else that accrued that debt. So I'm not going to pay that debt. I'm going to use everything that has accrued, uh, accrued up until now, but I don't owe anybody anything because I'm the new face in town. And that's how they're looking at it. Like, you're not benefiting off it right now. Mm. Again, just a very few small minority in the grand scheme of the 300 million people in this country. And, and you know, we just like non-white people have sellouts, well, white people have sellouts too. They sell out the poor so that they can go and kiss, you know, the corporate masters behind and so that he can move up on the ladder. But to some degree, everybody is being exploited and oppressed in this country. Your tactics being used to enslave people who shouldn't even be there. And think about the fact that the Correction Corporation of America is now suing the states, mostly red states, but other states as well, because crime rate has actually been going down and or people are getting smarter in when they engage in nonviolent victimless so-called crime. But the crime rate is going down. Not as many people are being arrested, but I think they're going to start stepping that back up because now corporations like the CCA is suing states because those states signed a contract with them when they took over those prisons those state prisons that okay we'll take care of your prison we'll even give you 20, 20 million dollars cash you know so you put it in the state treasury or whatnot. but you gotta keep the prisons 80% full that's a conspiracy to enslave people and that and guess what now they're saying if you don't since you have fallen below this 80% threshold, 
you still got to pay for these empty beds. That's what they're doing. Hey, Scotty, someone just sent me a message and want to know why we don't like Tim Wise. Because <laughs> uh, Tim Wise engages in deception. Yeah, he uh when he had an opportunity to support black media via the Black Talk Radio Network, the first thing he did was to attack us. That was his very first reaction to do the very same thing to us that he says everybody else except him is doing. Right. He defamed Scotty Reed. He defamed the Black Talk Radio Network. He attacked us all simply because Scotty called him out on the rhetoric that he was using about how he has this free right to stand in the middle of New York City's main thoroughways and call somebody the N-word. You can say nigger on this show. We don't, <laughs> well, we don't engage in the N word cause that takes the power away from the, or the meaning away from that word. That's politically correct. Those right. people being politically correct. No, say what you mean. He said that he could stand out in the middle of 42nd Street and call people nigger and get away with it. That he has that right as first, under the first, first under amendment. First amendment. And that is actually uh, an attack on people uh, or even terrorism if you might want to go that far. And Scotty called him out on it. And instead of saying, you know what? Maybe you got a point, Scotty. You know, this is a black media who has a black perspective. But I'm a white guy. I'm going to exercise my white uh, privilege and tell you to go to hell. You're wrong. Your whole network is uh, crap. And just defame them publicly. That's and I, and, and I, did, I did more than call him out. The name of the article is Tim Wise supposes he has a right to yell nigger in the street. Now, suppose mean I'm not sure. So then if you're not sure, then you better get sure before you go on national TV telling people under the First Amendment he supposes they have a, a, a right to stand in the middle of the street calling people niggers. Okay? Now, so a lot of people don't know what the word suppose means. So they might say, well, I got Tim Wise said I, it's my First Amendment right to call people niggers in the street. And then I did the research. I looked up court cases. I looked at uh, 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 case law. I looked up all of that. I looked at the intent of the quote-unquote framers, those white, racist white supremacists, and when they passed the First Amendment, is that what they meant? That people got a right to call people names when they passed that? So I did the research. I put a lot of research into that article. And so instead of him acknowledging that perhaps he supposed wrong and that people have actually been arrested for using foul language in the street and calling people names and whatnot. No, he decided to say, you know, call me names and uh, just act like a little child, you know, on, on Twitter. And then that what, 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 and when I say hurt me, I don't mean like I was worried about it or stressed out, but then I seen black people on Twitter retweeting his attacks on our network and on me personally without doing any research, without reading the article. Because, of course, he didn't share the article with them. He went on Facebook and told a bald-faced lie on me and left out all these details. So that's why I don't like Tim Wise. Plus, he's admitted he's admitted to practicing racism on the context of white supremacy, which is a, a, a radio station that's on our network. And he's been on their program. And and when a 12-year-old, um, um, a I don't know how old Justice is. She might be 11 or 12. But she asked him if he practiced racism. And, and he 
come talk. Now, now this is a child that's asking you a question. And then he using all these big words and, and what she said to him was, you just using buckets and buckets of words. You know what I'm saying? Instead of answering the question, but I think he did admit to practicing racism. So Tim Wise, in my view, is just like Al Sharpton. Ain't neither one of them trying to solve the problem. They making money off of it. Yeah, and he wasn't the only one. He also got uh, the woman who did the Black in America series on CNN involved as well. Uh, what's her name? Soledad O'Brien. He right. didn't get her involved. When I wrote the article and published it, it went out over Twitter and she saw it. And then so she going to tweet back at me saying, and he's right. And I'm like, oh, he is. Or perhaps you, I think I put her in the article. And Soledad O'Brien agrees. You know, so anyway. That's why we don't like Tim Wise. Well, Scotty, that's it for me. I'm going to go right, to this town hall meeting and uh, wish me luck, say a prayer for uh, that I reach my people here in my own community and get them serious about becoming abolitionists and understanding what's happening. All right, Thank- bro. You be safe behind these enemy lines, man. And, and tell, tell your wife, Tribal Rain, that I send my love and, and, you know, just do what you do, bro. Will do. Thank you, my brother. And peace, peace to the listeners. We'll see you on Wednesday at 8 p.m a new abolitionist radio don't come alone bring a friend peace peace all right uh folks i'm going to take a break i just got word from david wren who hosts a tando radio show he is still out of town uh attending these conferences that he's been going to and he is not able to do his program today he is not able to do his program today so i'm gonna have time if i need to go over to cover everything that i put on that um program description i'm interested in hearing from you okay what do y'all think about everything we've been talking about am i just you know um talking nonsense in your view do do you understand where i'm coming from or do you overstand the things that i'm talking about if you a white person out there and you know suspected racist or whatever you want to tell me give me a present to me a logical argument of why that flag should fly all right on taxpayer funded property because see we ain't got a problem with you flying that flag that's your right that's man these some of these white people i don't see as many confederate flags being personally flown on the back of pickup trucks down here but you know when i was in high school we used to see them a lot wearing the confederate t-shirt and all this and that look i want you to wear those things i want you to because i want to know who you are but don't tell me that you got a right to force me my family as a taxpayer in this county to subsidize your racist terrorist symbols that you have a right to force me to subsidize your honoring of people who who were enslavers and manipulated your ancestor into going out there and dying for him because you didn't you know you he wasn't out there in them trenches that was your grandpa or your great great grandpa that was out there cause he had a dream that one day I too can own a enslaved African so I could rape her at my choosing or I could molest the children and, cause yeah that stuff was going on so think about it before you t- you know come talking about your heritage is that the heritage that you want people to know think about it 
I know you just as indoctrinated in the white supremacy as non-white people are. That's why we have black people who ain't got a problem with assisting racists and white supremacy because they don't see them. They don't see them as what they're doing is aiding racists and white supremacists. They just trying to be a good Americans. So anyway, I need to take a break. I'm going to take a music break. I like to share music every once in a while from our um, different uh, conscious hip hop artists that's out there and whatnot. So I'm going to share some of that. I'll come back again. Scotty is not some e uh, um, megalomaniac or egomaniac that he can't be wrong. A lot of times, uh, well, I ain't going to say a lot of times because I read a lot. I ch- I do my research. But there are times that I will think on something and I'll come up with a theory and I'm, and then somebody else will make me see where, no, bro, you wrong on that. I am not one that I'm going to, to, to just because I got so much pride, I can't admit to being wrong. So if, if anything I've said on this program that you think is wrong or incorrect, then, you know, telephone numbers 530-881. 1400 the access code is 549032 pound let me get that out again 530881-1400 the access code is 549032 pound and you hit star six and one and you too can uh comment on air and share your opinions so we're going to take a a break and then we'll come back and we will jump on the rest of this subject matter because I will still want to talk about there's a codified way and there's an uncodified way to engage racist suspects. For those that don't know what that term means, this is how I interpret the term because I didn't come up with the term. I just heard other kind of racists using it and it made sense to me. So I adopted it into my language. But the way I interpret racist suspect to mean is like Neely Fuller says, you got white people, you got white supremacists, and you got non-white, non-white people in a system of white supremacy. Now, all white people, according to Neely Fuller, are not white supremacists, but you have to be white to be a white supremacist. So, okay. So a racist suspect means that white people that we don't know. We don't know you from Adam and Eve. We don't know you. We see you out on the street or whatever because we suffer so much behind these enemy lines. It is wise for us to suspect every white person of practicing racism. See, because it's not always going to be the overt racism in your face with somebody spitting on you and calling you a nigger. No, they have covert, more refined ways that they practice racism okay so i want to talk about uh, talk about a codified way which max represented the codified way he tailored his message to his audience right following the suggestions that i had shared that neely fuller had shared okay now also there's an uncodified way to deal with these racist suspects all right so i want to talk about that uh, let me see what else. Oh, and the CEO of America. Y'all want to know why I keep calling him the CEO of America? That's what he is. He's the chief executive officer. 
Don't they call that branch he over the executive branch? He's the chief executive officer of a corporation. This ain't no country. This ain't no nation. This is a corporation. That's just language they use and engage in to practice deception, to get people unified around a flag. All right. But it's really a corporation. So that's why I refer to him as the CEO of America. So I can, you know, promote that very fact that we have an evil corporation that's ruling this land along with other corporations to enslave, to exploit, to oppress people. And we got a whole lot of states, state sanctioned murders going on in these streets. So want to talk about him is he practicing deception or is he serious when it comes to dealing with white terrorism in the usa because he's proposing a law which i think he knows is not going to pass so why are you even proposing it to make people thank you doing something you ain't really doing nothing but putting up a front like we say in the streets you fronting man you ain't serious you fronting so anyway, I want those are some of the things. I'll check the phone lines and uh get your calls if you want to comment, if if you want to um bring something to the dialogue. All right. So uh you're listening to Black Talk Radio News. My name is Scotty Reed. This program broadcasts every Monday through Friday at four o'clock PM Eastern Time. Just a reminder, Tando Radio Show will not be coming up at 6 o'clock p.m. as Brother Dave is still out of town. But if you're looking for um, uh, information on this, uh, the stock market went down today, fell by 120 points because of the Greek banking crisis that's going on. That's something he's been talking about. So you can put in our search engine, Tando Radio Show, in Greece and you will find something. The other show you should check out that he did is the de-dollarization. It's real and it's happening. I shared that with some people who had asked some questions about the banking crisis because that's Dave's expertise. He knows a lot about that. All right. So uh, hopefully he will be back soon and I'm sure he got something to say. But y'all can also follow them on Facebook. Maybe he's been able to make Facebook posts after he's heard the news about that, you know, uh, thing going on with Greece possibly defaulting on loans and whatnot. All right. So. His show will not be on air, but his podcasts are there. We'll be back on the other side after this break. This is Brother Elliot. First of time for an awakening, and you're listening to Black Talk Radio Network, new media for the new millennium. Minds Black Homeschool and Education Expo kicks off on July 17th through the 19th in Atlanta, Georgia. The Liberated Minds Black Homeschool and Education Expo was established in 2012 by Rooster Fruits and the Liberated Minds Black Homeschool and Education Association for the strong purpose of providing quality culturally based resources, educational training, and support to black African homeschooling, non-homeschooling parents, and educators alike. 
This work is to assist in the cultivation of excellence and empowerment of our black children. The Expo also provides a thriving outlet and platform for small black independent businesses that specialize in retailing and or creating culturally conscious products and or services for the development of our youth. For more information on the Liberated Minds Black Homeschool and Education Expo that will be occurring during the weekend of July 17th through the 19th in Atlanta, go to LiberatedMindsExpo.com. In Houston, Texas, you are invited to the Sundiata Coley Shaka Sankofa Community Garden on the first Saturday of the month up until September to learn gardening skills from the head gardener and build together with the community. They are looking for people to come out ready to work and get their hands dirty. You do not have to have any experience in gardening. All food grown from the garden is available to the community. The garden was named after Sundiata Akoli, who is a political prisoner that has been enslaved for more than 40 years, and comrade in struggle, Shaka Sankofa, who was killed June 22nd in 2000. Sundiata, when asked what we can do in support of the political prisoner, said, build a garden. We must be able to do for self in the name of self-determination. The garden is located at 2428 Sophomore in Houston, Texas. Again, come out on the first of every month starting around 7 o'clock a.m. If you have an event that is free and open to the public and want to announce it on Black Talk Radio, send an email to admin at blacktalkradionetwork.com. A case of 21st century ethnic cleansing. There are two kinds of nationalism. Reactionary nationalism and revolutionary nationalism. Here is a question. Which one is conducive to liberation and freedom? The stripping of 200,000 Haitians of citizenship and supporting them in mass across an artificial border created by imperialism or the bringing together of the oppressed people of Haiti and the oppressed peoples of the Dominican Republic and the class struggle, a class war against their common enemies of neocolonialism and neoliberalism. Get the struggle, get the win. Panther love, all power to the people. This is Chairman Shaka Zulu. These commentaries are recorded by Noel Hanrahan of Prison Radio. Everywhere we go, every day on TV, they be talking about who we gonna vote for. Got a black man running, but I wonder if he get in, who we gonna open up the door for. I don't wanna discourage my folk, I believe in hope, I just want us to want more. Politics is a game, how they keep us contained, they gotta be more than we can hope for. Democrats and Republicans, just two sides of the same coin. Either way, it's still white power, it's the same system, just change form. You wanna vote? Please do. Cash your ballot, let your voice be heard. But what I do wanna say is after the election, you'll see mark my word. Of a sellout, and if Obama wins. 
right there. With the TV on, you only hearing day voice. The system is broken, they trying to be the dead horse. Go ahead and vote for the lesser of two evils. I plot, plan, and strategize with the both people. The middle class will say this opinion is irresponsible. If you ain't got no health care, they're kicking you out the hospital. McKinney Clemente off in the Green Party. No disrespect, we need a red, black, and green party. Like Marcus and trees, free like open seas, free like the change of seasons, and that is the reason we need to stop killing American soldiers without a reason. Freestyle, fighting a war for money control and America's own treason. Disloyal to our own, but we go to other nations and we make their houses our homes. What about our homes? What about our houses? In this war that ain't about you, ain't about me, and damn sure ain't about America's civil liberties, because we got Americans dying behind gunfights, crooked cops, babies crying, presidents lying, black men and statistic aids, and this shit is quite twisted. The streets sweet, babies missing, and mamas wishing their daddies was there, and it makes me want to holler, because it seems like we no longer care. Freestyle, free life, bring the street soldiers from this war in progress, because it's on the street too, and it too is about greed and power. We need the government to wake up and take a true shower. We need us to get us free, because they don't know what's best. Probably ain't never seen seven-year-old little boys wearing bulletproof vests to protect their chest, because ghetto children run free, and they run free through free bullets that's ready to rip through chest. Free bullets ready to lay to rest anyone in their way. See, free bullets run free through playgrounds where ghetto children run free all day. Freestyle. Let me awake to see the day when I am free like birds that fly high up in the sky. Flapping wings able to elevate while my mind accumulates thoughts of being free, because my voice is not free like freedom of speech should be. Freestyle, freestyle. Like a spoiled child with well-to-do parents. Like not only being royal, but standing and planning as the heir apparent. That's, That's how, how it should, should be. be. Freestyle. Without FCC sons of piles calling out files. Or free like anarchy in the streets and the rippling roars of the crowds. Like taxi drivers do rules written in stone. Freestyle the way the FBI can do 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 of what could, should, or might happen to what they be. No values claim, no limits to the game, no special names you need to know to get in. No chains, leashes, leases, or theses on how far I can take my journey, or what criteria this poet needs to fill and fit in. Free to see glass ceilings shattered and the shards sent to the discard pile. Full free style. That's how it should be. That's how it should be. Freestyle. Never repressing my thoughts, locking my words, stressing the verbs, and now I'm because my speech is not free like the wind that blows. It's supposed to liberation throughout this tried, tired-ass nation. While I sit on rooftops reading the alphabet versus the ghetto and screaming out, don't die, civil liberties, don't die. Hoping my voice is heard through the
the nation grown tops and the Emancipation Proclamation said I was free over 200 years ago, but my soul still don't feel so. While the Statue of Liberty presents a false reality of freedom more fake than reality TV, cause she just does not reflect me. My voice locked up and locked inside my body. Without words, I can never be free, so I look at myself and try not to see myself as the nigga they wanted me to be. Free like birds is what I wish to be. No longer picking cotton on your plantation. My arms tired, my legs weak, feeling like my life has succumbed to your damnation. And without justification, it seems I have become a slave to hip-hop beats and rhythm nation. Ignorance spoken at its highest height, played on every radio station, cause they think that we be tight. Rocking expensive clothes, we calling ourselves bitches and hoes, and we think we free shit. We more oppressed than I ever guessed. Soul searching, looking for spiritual salvation while listening to outcast liberation, trying to break the chains of enslavement and mental degradation. Freestyle like running in the night, trying to find the light in the window, reaching for our foundation so we can start a new creation. Freestyle like freeing words of the good book that have been brought to translation and freeing me from all accusation from this nation, cause it seems like I've vented all my frustration in this poem that I've called Freestyle. My lyrical libation. Freestyle. That's how it should be. That's how it should be. Imagination, creation, and blindly breaking through borders the way love does. A self-organization of things as if every nation had wings. It could fly through the sky like a dove does. Free to live. Free to give. Free to dream the dreams of a potential prince. Free like the freedom we had way back in Eden and have yet to see it since. Free like common sense. Free like death. No fickle favorites anywhere to be found. Even if you look at every book behind every tree or under every little rock on the ground. Freedom like light, sight, and sound. Like sunshine and moonlight and the promises of the Christ. Unfettered by the weather, the laws of Caesar's treasures or somebody's man-made price. Freedom flow like ice. Freestyle, that's how it should be. Priceless like faith, belief, and man's free will. Free to know what it all means, where it all goes, and how, how, how it all feels. Free to know what's really real. Free for me to know the damn deal. Free like a mother's silver tears, like a father's groundless fears. Free to be shared everywhere, like pain, shame, suffering, and war. The freedom to always do just a little bit more. Freestyle like what we've all been dying for. You are tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network for live programming schedules. Visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. And welcome back. Um, just to share those titles with you, uh, you heard Dead Press, that was Politrix featuring Malcolm X, and you just heard uh, freestyle that was uh Max Parthis who just joined us a while ago who was out there in the field doing abolitionist work and uh Nushi Nushi that was freestyle so you can look that up if you want to uh find those tracks now I do want to share this audio but let me uh check the phone lines first we do have a caller 480 thank you for uh calling in to share your opinion view or question go ahead, right ahead Hi, Scotty. Hi. Who am I speaking with? Your voice sounds familiar. This is Isatu. Hey, how you doing, sis, behind these enemy lines? Uh, you know what? My head is still above water. Okay. Um, I'm sitting here listening to some young people. I meant not listening to. Well, yeah, listening to because we've been having a conversation. But I've been sharing uh, this network and things, you know, trying to build in my community locally. And I got some young people that would like to talk to you. Um, the first young man, his name is Lindsay. And then there's another young lady here. Her name is Bree. 
Okay. And I've been trying to tell them about the about abolitionist movement and modern day slavery and you know things that we need to be talking to uh people about. Um Bree is sixteen and um Lindsay is twenty nine. So okay. um I'm gonna go ahead and put Lindsay on the phone because right. uh, he would like to uh talk to you, uh Mr. Reed. Is that okay? That's perfectly okay with me. Hello, brother. <laughs> My name is Lindsay, but I do have a question, though. Um, shout out to ISIS, as well, real quick, though. But um, about the the, the um the legalizing the gay gay marriages, why? I, I want them to really they they should just hands down just legalize the marijuana. <laughs> um, they're making a whole lot of money off of that. Um. First of all, let me say this, address the first thing about the gay marriage. I don't even care about that. That don't concern me. That's a distraction. All right, that's mm-hmm. a distraction. Again, you know, if they need permission from the state to endorse their marriage, that's them. That Look, slavery is at the top of my list of things. If people want want to uh, do that, that's on them. long as they're not harming me, long as they ain't harming my children or harming uh, uh, anything like that. So, you know, I, I don't want, I don't ever even talk about it, really, to be honest with you, because it is a distraction for me. Now, um, in terms of the cannabis that you talk talking about, because I try not to use the term marijuana because it has racist roots. That's the term they use when they were targeting uh, immigrants coming from Mexico to to work on um, in agriculture and, and they smoke weed. And so, you know, they use that as a derogatory term. So I call it weed. I use it by the scientific name, cannabis and whatnot. But there is a movement because of people, the masses rising up and getting educated on the issue. So as you can see in many of these different municipalities, cities, and states, there is a move to legalize uh, uh, cannabis because they have determined that, you know, actually some of the people have determined that they can make more money taxing it then they can make enslaving people over it. And then, you know, the masses are rising up and saying, this is incorrect. Shouldn't nobody be in prison because they choose to use something, whether you agree with it or not, as long as they're not harming anyone. But there is still a lot of money being made because the cops, their unions, they know that if they um, legalize drugs across this country then many of them gonna get laid off because that's what they spend most of their time doing anyway is catching slaves new slaves and and so that's why you're seeing um a resistance to the legalization of drugs instead of pouring that money into drug rehab so people can get help they need help uh they rather just throw them in prison where the guards are selling drugs so i do think that in terms of of cannabis legalization i i that um that's a um that's something they're not gonna stop because the masses of people now see that it's incorrect to lock up people on that. So I hope I'll um um answered your question on that and I wasn't confusing you. Oh no, that's 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 all that makes a lot of sense. One more thing. I did get in trouble and I got a little ticket off of jaywalking just from a light rail and not seeing the sign that was crossing the street because I was walking the opposite way. Mm-hmm. I was walking the opposite way, so I didn't see the sign that says "Do not cross uh, the the thing, the the the, the, the rail, whatever." So 
I, I do got a ticket, and they, they keep on finding me extra um, fines and stuff like that, extra fees. I, let, me, let me just get some, like, information on, on that because the, the court system is really not helping me on, on that. Okay, if I understand you correctly, you said that you had gotten a ticket for for jaywalking. And so yeah. how is it that all of these extra fees and stuff is being uh, – did you, like, miss a court date or did you miss a deadline to pay it off or what's going on there? You know, with, with that, I, I went early. I made it, I made it like, a few days earlier than, than my original court date. Mm-hmm. But the thing was, I um – when I supposed to have went back up there, they uh, I supposed to have looked for a number or something like for for contact or reference or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the 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 people was uh, I messed up my day, so um, I didn't come back the same day, so they added more money to the to the situation. So what they're what they're doing is again as uh, our program, New Abolitionist Radio, that comes on Wednesday night, we do a segment. America is Ferguson, and we know from the Department of Justice report on Ferguson that they were bringing in about three million dollars in revenue annually by just giving people these little stupid tickets and and stuff like that. And and so um, that's what's happening to you, brother. They stealing your wealth. Now, of course, I told him, Brother Scotty, I told him. Yeah, that's, that's what's going on. And they extort, extort wealth from many millions of people across this country. As Max was talking about earlier, you know, the NYPD, when they did their work stoppage, they, by issuing tickets and stuff like that, they was bringing in $10 million in revenue to the city of, of New York. So all it is, is they do what they have always done. And that's still wealth from the people uh who don't have it they don't have it that's like taxation without representation that's just another form to uh another way for them to keep their hand in your pocket now in terms right. ter- brother scotty i'm yes. i'm sorry this is isa too i'm sorry to interrupt you but i have told him about what you're saying right now so can you please let him know about uh the contract the state of arizona has to keep uh the prisons full because um, mm-hmm. I, I was letting him know I was because uh, you know they're trying to put give him a ticket and if if he doesn't pay the ticket he gets a warrant and then he fills up that quota right that they were telling that you were that I learned about it through y'all so please because it's one thing to hear from a woman but what to hear from a man to another man is a whole different scenario so please brother Scotty let him know about the state of Arizona and the contract they have with these prisons to keep beds full yeah I used to live in Arizona when I was uh, in the military I was stationed down there at Fort Huachuca which is about five miles from from um where was the okay corral at i forget where that what little city that was in but about an hour away from tucson but um the um state of arizona like many red states and you know not to pick on red states because it might be occurring in other states as well but corporations like the correction corporation of america private prison enslaver is they have contracts with the states to keep the prison 80 percent full Okay, and so that is another way for them to to keep these prison fools is by first it start with a ticket. They hoping that you won't be able to pay for it right away or whatnot, and then you know you, if you miss a court date and this and that, and and then next thing you know, you know they sentencing you to prison. 
for something that started out small. So it's important to take care of those. First of all, it's important to recognize that we live behind enemy lines and develop battlefield awareness so that you don't get those little, you know, minor tif- tickets. Cause then it just turns into something big and it can go downhill, downhill from there. But yes, you live in a state where they have signed a contract with a private prison enslaver to keep the prison 80% full, and they always looking for new slaves, and don't you become one of them. I hear you, man. Much love, brother. Much love to you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Hello? Yes. Uh, Who am I speaking Uh, with? Huh? What's your name? Bree. Bree. Thank you, Bree, for uh, calling in. What's on your mind? Uh, nothing really, don't have much to say, but just want to say hi and give a shout-out to everybody and to Ice. Well, don't give me no shout-out. I was just trying to help y'all stay out of this, this system, that's all. <laughs> yeah. I love my Well, Well, young sister... Um, tune in to our network. You know, we, you can even access us through mobile phones. I know a lot of our young people use the mobile phones and they, you know, can connect to the internet. You can go to tunein.com and type in Black Talk Radio Network in the TuneIn, uh, app. And then you could bookmark our station and you could, uh, listen to it that way. And, you know, we are, we out here fighting for y'all. We fighting for y'all future and we're trying to yeah. educate people. And so, you know, this information is for you because you're not going to get it from your teachers in these white supremacist indoctrination centers they call in public schools. All right. And so we keep it real on this network and we ain't going to lie to you. You know, if we tell you something incorrect and we find out it's incorrect, well, we will correct it later. But I hope that you will stay tuned in to this network. And not only that, that you share it with your friends. And then we also got a music station that's on our network, blacktalkradionetwork.com. I think it's also on TuneIn. It's called the Met. Message music station and it's hip hop music for your mind it's not going to be talking about blinging it's not going to be talking about you know partying and stuff like that it's going to be spreading knowledge to you through music and that's why we call it message music okay I'm going to look into that all right. Well, thank you, young All sister, right. and you be safe behind these enemy lines and don't Please you say. become no new slave Oh, I won't. Thank you. You're welcome. Have a good day. You too. Okay, brother uh, Scotty, uh, my son, uh, his name is Egypt. It's the last one. Okay. That that would like to have something to say. He's shy. He's in there like, no, 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 no. You coming <laughs> on because he's always listening. He always got some points. He's got valid points. He's 14 years old. Come on, Egypt. No, because you represent yourself better than I can. I mean, I am your mama. Don't don't get it twisted, but here you go. Okay. Hey, Brother Egypt. Hello. Hey, so uh, your, your mom says that you listen to the network and that I guess it's making you think and that you're coming up and you're thinking and coming up with your own logical points. And so that's great. That's great. We tell people never take what we're saying as the gospel truth, but to critically think about it and to do your own research. And it sounds like to me that you are an independent thinker. You are a critical thinker. And that's something that the schools don't teach. So right right now, brother, I want to tell you, you blessed to have a mind like that. All right. And you just follow the 
the guidance of your mother and you continue to seek out uh, information and I'm sure you'll be all right and who knows you might figure out this problem we call racism and white supremacy and be the one to come up with the solution to end it all right all right all right you have a good day Thank you. No. Are you really? Okay. All right. Well, whatever, brother Scotty. I guess that's his first time on the radio. That, that's okay. Like that's it. okay. He'll develop that confidence. <laughs> He'll develop that confidence in public speaking, and, and that's um, okay. Brother Scotty, I did want to talk about uh, the way that um things get reversed. Uh, I don't like this reversism. Like, we want to take the flag down, right? And mm-hmm. they're like, well, let's just go ahead and take the slave monument down, too. Because I, I saw that there was something going on where they're pushing to take the slave monument down. Yeah, I saw and, that. Uh, What's your thoughts about it? I think that's that's classical Caucasians doing what Caucasians do is always deflecting Mm -hmm. from their own history, their own responsibility, and I'm just really tired of it. You know, my kids try that on me. I have five children, Mm -hmm. and sometimes they, they, when I say, okay, well, clean your room or this, that, and the other, they want to bring up something that they observe in the house, and they're like, well, well, you didn't do this, and you didn't do that. I'm like, no, 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 no. I know, I know what you deal, I know what you're dealing with. (laughs) You know, um, (laughs) so (laughs) I got kids myself and grandkids now, so I know how that goes. I'm trying to tell you, these children are, I mean, and this is like Caucasians, they have this classic sense of misdirection is what it's called. Thinking that makes everything not about them, but even though they want to be the center of attention, they really don't want to be the center of attention. That's logical. Yeah, for for those who don't know what Sister Isa too is talking about, there's a petition on change.org, and I shared that. And when I shared it, I didn't share it for y'all to sign it now, to take down the monument in South Carolina to enslave Africans, all right? And, and because that was some kind of compromise they came up with years ago. Okay, we'll let y'all, we'll build this monument to the enslaved African, but y'all got to let us raise the flag of the enslaver, and that'll be our compromise. So now these these people who are seeing that that terrorist flag is going to come down, all right. And so now they want to do engage in misdirection and compare some things that are not even comparable. And so that just says something about their psychology. That says something about their psychopathy. That says something about their incorrect thinking. That they don't even want to honor the victims. Okay, if you want to take away our terrorist symbol and of course they don't see it as a terrorist symbol but it is and you want to take away you know this well we don't want to pay for this monument see that's just a incorrect thinking stinking cause number one they ignorant and they've been educated to practice white supremacy indoctrinated to practice white supremacy so they're not engaging in critical thinking they are not analyzing it properly or or they are practicing deception and they know exactly what they're doing and engaging in misdirection. That's right. I, I completely agree. I wish Sister Sarah was on the phone because I know she got a whole book of things that she could say. But <laughs> um, And that's with respect. 
Right. Um, I know. But, I know. Uh, I love me some Sister Sarah. But um, the last thing I wanted to say is, oh, my God, Brother Scotty, out of all the people that I keep in contact with and I do a lot of researching, nobody has posted a video about protecting these places of worship and actually doing it but you. But you. And I'm, I want my men out there to put up, and the women, because just like I said last time a couple of weeks ago when I was on the phone, in the Nation of Islam, not only are the men uh, trained in self-defense and the art of war, the women are too. And the women are called the MGT, Muslim Girls in Training. So, you know, the women need to take responsibility for their selves and their environment because I am a single mother right now. But I have been, I started training a couple of weeks ago and I started trying to get my physical body intact and so I could at least lift my own weight and just little, little basic stuff like that we mm-hmm. can do to make sure that we can, you know, protect ourselves. So I'm just telling all the sisters out there. And the brothers. You know what? Stop calling, stop buying your children the next Xbox and the, and the next PlayStation to pacify their time so you ain't got to deal with them. Put your child in a $100 freaking ass. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. Uh, $100. Uh, yeah, I mean, I uh, I was coming from the heart. <laughs> $100 class. <laughs> and put them in martial arts training. And even if you're, you can't afford to do it yourself, sit there and observe and you train with your kids and you ask your children to go through the training that they went through mm-hmm. for that day so that you can pick up some skills yourself. And you can find a lot of that training, uh, instructional videos on YouTube. I've been watching YouTube, but you know what? Ain't nothing like actually practicing it. Remember how you, you actually put up Prayer is one thing, but action is another. Right, 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 right. Yeah, I so mean, you yeah, actually got to put you got to put your body into the memory of moving like that. Yeah, it's called muscle so memory. Just because you're watching it, don't mean you could just watch it. You got to get your butt up. Right, right, right. Just like and you do tie bow. Move your body to do that. Yeah, just like you doing tie bow. You know what I'm saying? You could be looking at that and, and, and practicing those self-defense moves, jujitsu, karate, whatever. But yeah, I was just making that as a suggestion. Like you said, if they can't afford it to put their children in that, well, you know, um, um, pull the videos up and then just imitate what you're seeing because that's what you're doing anyway. That's right. And practice that's with right. each other. That's right. And I can't afford it, but I've been trying to do the research to get in touch. There's a young man that lives in my community, and he's been trying to teach me capoeira, capoeira, something like that. It's mm-hmm. like it's a, it's a. I think it's a Brazilian uh, yeah, exactly. martial art that was created so, and, by, and, which yeah. is African, you know, because right. it actually comes from the continent of Africa. That's but, true. Um, he's been teaching me that. And, you know, just like uh, Brother Scotty, I don't know how to clean a gun. I don't know how to put a gun together. But if there's somebody out here in my community in Phoenix, Arizona, that's where I'm at, please contact Brother Scotty to donate your time at these churches to teach people how to protect themselves and load a gun and clean a gun and, 
And I don't care if it's a, a bow and arrow or a crossbow. We got to know some kind of form of self-defense and when to use it. Right. You know, because we can't be indiscretionate like these Caucasians are. We got to actually pre practice when to use it because we're already on the enemy line. So they, we don't have the right to protect ourselves. In my opinion, the United States government says that black men and black women cannot protect themselves at any time. Am I right about that or am I just paranoid? I don't know if that's codified in law, but in what they do practice in, in, in their behaviors is, yeah, they, they won't tell us we don't have a right to protect ourselves. Well, that's what the Democrat Party is telling you when they tell you to get behind, uh, gun control legislation. They're telling you that no, you shouldn't be owning guns and we shouldn't have all these guns in society and you should rely on the people that's actually gunning you down in the streets to protect you from robbers and that don't make no sense it doesn't so it doesn't yeah so thank you brother scotty and i'm gonna keep spreading the word and we're gonna keep listening i heard the show earlier and um i'm doing the best i can to to actually do the work i'm not just a uh what do they call it a hot air balloon or i don't even know what <laughs> yeah. they call it nowadays <laughs> fronting faking i don't know but uh, none of that applies over here. I, every person that I come across in my community, Caucasian or not, I'm gonna I'm going to talk to them appropriately because I agree with you on not trying to make it a race thing because Caucasians are very uncomfortable with that. But if we could just find the common ground, that's how we're going to find a way out of this uh, labyrinth. Right. Neil Fuller said to frame it in terms of justice and injustice. That's right. All right, Sister okay. Isa, too. Y'all stay safe behind these enemy lines. Absolutely. Um, don't don't take me off because we're listening to you. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to mute my mute line, you. though. Okay. All right. Um, for those that didn't um, catch what she was saying about the video, I live next door to a church that's on some of our fam family land. Uh, we sold them a portion of it so they could build that church. It's actually connected to the house of my uh great uncle and great aunt who has passed away so it's right next door now what kind of man would i be to live right next door to a house if i can't make sure that that church ain't burnt down because i live in a county that's 80 percent white okay and right yards away from that church on the other side of the tree line is a bunch of trailer parks where it's a bunch of white people. I think some black people didn't move down there because I've been seeing some black people going up in there. But um, we're surrounded by white people. Are all of them practicing racism? Well, I don't know because they don't... I was about to use a cuss word, but they don't mess with us because they know that we're not going to take it. But they still might get some ideals in the middle of the night. Well, yes, they did mess with us one time, being sneaky on a 4th of July and we're doing a show tomorrow with Truth Minister Paul Scott about um, um, the 4th of, 4th of July protest that's coming up. You know, we're going to be promoting the RBG over the red, white, and blue. All right, because that flag, we're being enslaved under that flag and, and everything else. All right, so he'll be on tomorrow. But on the 4th of July last year, I noticed that we heard something hit the roof so i go outside 
and I see these bottle rockets in the yard. You know, bottle rockets that fly through the air and, and whatnot. And, 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 and so I'm seeing those in the yard. So I called my sister because my nephews had been uh, out there earlier. And I said, was, was RJ and Isaac out there shooting fire, uh, works and whatnot? Cause I'm seeing, you know, these bottle rockets out in the yard. And she told me, yeah, no. And so I knew where they were coming from. What them racist suspects was doing was, was shooting them bottle rockets on the top of our house to try to catch it on fire or something. And when I found those, I got, I got my, uh, rifle. And I hid in the tree line, and I was just waiting to catch one of them, shooting at our house again with them bottle rockets. Would I have shot them? It depends, okay, because I'm not looking to kill anyone, but I will kill you if you threaten my life and you threaten my family's life. And so I didn't catch anyone else that night. And so what she talking about is I've been going on nightly patrols because I got funny sleeping patterns. And so I work from home. And so anyway, I was going on a patrol at least once an hour. I go out there till about four or five o'clock in the morning till it start getting light and people are getting up and going to work. And then, you know, then I will try to get some sleep myself. But during this red alert, we should all be on red alert because they have not only shot up a church, they shot at one in Memphis, shot into it, uh, a racist suspect. Well, I'm going to call him a confirmed white supremacist because he was standing out there with a machete in Richmond calling people niggers in the church. All right. Then they burnt the church down in Charlotte, North Carolina. They burnt another church down in Georgia and they burnt another one down somewhere else. And so I'm like, this should not be happening. You got members of that church. Y'all should be working in shifts to patrol y'all church, be sitting out there in the parking lot, Walking around the building to make sure ain't nobody burning it down. Your church should be hiring security, okay, to protect your church from being burnt down. And it just, and I'm not picking on anybody's spiritual beliefs, but you can pray all you want to that ain't nothing gonna happen to your church. But if you don't put no action, if you don't put no work, Behind that prayer and that faith that you have and nothing is going to happen to your church, then guess what? Faith without works is dead. That's what that, that scripture says. What do, I mean, that's like telling somebody that's hungry and naked, well, I pray for, that you will find some clothes and some food. But you got clothes and food. Why don't you just give it to them? You say that prayer and then answer that prayer. Okay. So do you want to talk about loosing angels to protect your church? Well, you be that angel that's protecting that church. And so not to show my works because I don't, we ain't supposed to be doing stuff to be seen by men and to be praised by men, but because apparently other people are not thinking security, I've made it as a promotional video. Hoping that other people will see it and that they will follow suit and protect their churches. So that's what she's talking about. All right. Uh, we got another caller. Uh, let me see. This is one of the other callers, I guess, calling back in. Area code 240. Go ahead with your question or, or comment or observation. Hey, Scotty. This is Christian again. Hey, Christian. <clears throat> By the way, this is, um, I'm going to keep it 100 just so you know. 
Oh, go ahead. Keep it. That's all we do on this on this network, bro. You ain't got to be politically <laughs> correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my Facebook um, page name. Um, I was having a conversation with a coworker of mine, and he was telling me, and I'm not sure if you're aware of this. He was telling me that even if all 50 states legalize marijuana, there are employers that won't hire you if 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 you test positive marijuana. That would, I mean, that's a good, that's a logical question. That's a logical question, but I don't think that they would do that because that would be unnecessary money that they spend in each one, depending upon the test. One of those tests costs about $50, one of those P tests. And so if it's legalized now, I don't think that they're going to waste that money to test you now they might check you out what what i think will happen is somebody will develop some technology to see other than you know looking at your eyes and 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 watching you to see if you under the influence and just like every once in a while they'll give you a, a breathalyzer on the job see it depends on the job if you work on with heavy uh, machinery or you're driving like a forklift well, you can't be up on that thing drunk or high because you might hurt somebody. So every once in a while, they'll give you like a pop, uh, a breathalyzer to make sure you, you know, ain't, ain't drinking and driving in the warehouse and whatnot. So again, you know, that's a legitimate concern. And so, you know, again, I'm not an attorney, but I'm thinking, okay, if you got a prescription to use it for medicinal purposes, they can't do nothing to you. You know what I'm saying? They can't do nothing to you. And if you can use it recreationally, you know, they'll let you know up front of whether or not they hire people, you know, that that uses those substances. But I don't think that that is going to be a big issue. I I don't think, but I could be wrong about it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thanks a lot. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you for your question. All right. Um, let me get into some other stuff. I'm going to clear the conference question and answer. Q is not going to hang up on you. Q&A Q is cleared. All right. So in case anybody else wants to chime in, I'll know. Um, just hit star six and one. Uh, the telephone number again is 530-881-1400. The p- participant code is 549032-POUND. And once you're dialed in, um, you can listen or, or you could hit star six and one and, and we'll bring you on air. Now, I wanted to share this before I leave Bacon's Rebellion. Remember earlier I was talking about this is back in the 1600s. See, they were bringing over indentured servants. This is before chattel slavery started. And it, they were bringing in indentured servants, uh, white people. Well, they weren't even classified as white. They were like identified by their nationality, Irish, Scottish. If you, if you know anything about European history, you know that the English have been, and the French have been oppressing a whole lot of the Irish and the Scottish. They're like the niggers of Europe. You know what I'm saying? And so anyway, you know, um, some of them like if they got caught stealing or prostituting or something like that, well, they could serve that time out as indentured servants instead of being in a prison. They could come over to, uh, the, the, uh, North America, um, and serve out their sentence as an indentured servant. Um, uh, or if you want to make some money and come to, um, North America, 
and you could sign up as an indigent servant for seven years or whatnot. And then when your service is up, I think you might get a plot of land or something like that. Uh, but anyway, it was it was white and black people, although back then they weren't using racial classifications. So it was white and black people who were on the lower who were considered the lower class, the peasants or whatnot here in 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 in. Um, and I don't want to call it America because it wasn't, you know, that's kind of incorrect, but, um, we'll just call it the North American continent. And so then there was what was called Bacon Rebellion. And it also has an element of proxy racism. But again, back then they wasn't looking at it in terms of race. So anyway, the indentured servants, white or black, we're getting tired of being mistreated by these wealthy English men or wealthy Frenchmen or whoever. You know, Bacon's Rebellion, I think, occurred in Virginia, if I recall uh, correctly. And so they were tired of getting oppressed and whatnot. So they banded together and they rebelled against the, the, the upper class, the wealthy uh, uh, people. And so then I think one of the things that they were fighting about was that I was reading about they were being attacked that's the lower class indentured servants they were being attacked by indigenous native tribes okay well of course they were you still in a land and so though they combined you know the indentured servants wanted to fight the indigenous uh indians who were protecting their homeland right and so but the wealthy didn't want to because they didn't have enough people. They knew that they could get wiped out. And so they wanted to be diplomatic and have treaties. And so that was a part of Bacon's rebellion as well. And so then they figured out that the wealthy people figured out, you know what? If these white and black peasants keep banding together that outnumber us, man, they're going to take over the place and we just going to be out. And so then that's when they invented the classification of race. And that is when the English, I mean, excuse me, the, the poor, uh, uh, the poor people, indentured servants from Ireland, from Scotland, and, and from wherever else, you know, they got caught up in Europe. Well, you know, they, uh, they, they split them up. And so then they made them honorary whites and said, okay, we'll, we'll let you be the overseers and the policemen. And whatnot, and then that's when chattel slavery came in. Um, uh, unfortunately, a black farmer played a role in that. Okay, uh, but you know when you hear a lot of these white people say, "Well, black people own slaves too," that's true to a certain extent. But most of those that were buying their family members or friends out of slavery, so they trying to play games with you. But there was a, a African, a black farmer who had an African indentured servant and when an indentured African servant, his time was up, he was going to go work for another farmer. So that farmer, that black farmer sued in, in Virginia Commonwealth Court to make that African a permanent slave. And that's how chattel slavery started in this country. All right. So yes, it's true. There were some black people enslaving other black people, but they were a very, very, very small minority. It wasn't a whole lot of them. And again, most of them that were doing that was to get those people out up from under the brutal, racist, white supremacist plantation owners. So, but I'm going to play this clip about Bacon's Rebellion. So let me pull it up. Let me see. Uh, 
1676, Bacon's Rebellion. The racial hierarchy. Um, this is powerful in other ways. We see this with um, we see this from the moment of Bacon's Rebellion, um, when there's these European and African indentured servants start, you know, working side by side. Some in some cases they're running away together. And European elites are seeing this, saying that this is going to be a problem. His concern is that we should be protecting the colony. So he rallies colonial people, both you know, white and black, to then join together and fight off Native, the Native American people. The House of Burgesses doesn't want them to do this. They're trying to broker a treaty, you know, keep some peace with Native Americans. And so Bacon kind of you know, usurps that gets this interracial alliance to go against Native Americans, well, this freaks out the House of Burgesses. Because if these people can, you know, rise together against Native Americans, they can certainly do the same thing to the elites. And so there's all this kind of punishment. Many people are sent to death. Um, and we start to see uh, racially differential punishments. That's that history that's still going on today so what like i was telling you those those poor indentured white servants to to uh prevent them from banding together with the africans well they were made honorary whites all right and 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 that's when racism was really starting to be practiced in in this country and so again that's just go to show you man these people got a history of betrayal and that's why we call white people racist suspects because we suspect you of practicing racism we may not see it evident in your actions but i'm gonna keep my eye on you all right because i don't trust you you might you know you might be a good white person but i'm still not trusting you all right, I'm going to suspect you of practicing racism. All right, and, and, and so, but then when talking about interracial alliances, ain't it a doggone shame that the only, in, the, the most significant interracial alliance we see is to practice slavery today. You got the black cops, you got the white cops, you got the black prison guard, the white prison guard, you got the Hispanic prison guard, you got the black warden, you got the white warden, you got a black president of the corporation of, of the USA, you got black congressmen, you got white congressmen, and they have an alliance to keep practicing slavery in this country. That's the most powerful interracial alliance going on right now. So think about that. That's why I say, don't let your babies grow up to be proxy racist if you're a non-white person. So anyway, that's all I had to say about Bacon's rebellion. And proxy, I mean, that's like the roots of proxy racism in this country. How dare you come over here and, and oppress my indigenous family? You know what I'm saying? That's messed up, man. That's messed up. And we see it going on today. That's why I apologize to people for my service in the United States Army to go overseas oppressing non-white people. That is what these soldiers are doing. They ain't protecting your liberty or your freedom. How are you going to protect liberty and freedom when they practicing slavery? When it's legal slavery by the 13th Amendment. So whose freedom you protecting? When they gunning down people in the street, including white people. So you ain't protecting us from these killer cops out here. You ain't protecting us from these people that want to take our freedom because 
we may choose to use a substance that that uh, uh people in Congress said, you know what, we're going to outlaw this. Because we have the right to tell other people what they can do and not do with their bodies. It's more complicated than that. But anyway, do you get my point? Do you get my point? So anyway, I want to talk about um, this proposed law from President Obama, the CEO of this corporation. Is he playing games or is he being serious? Let me um, pull up my petition and I'm going to share this petition again on Facebook because I ain't shared it. And again, I am not a dumb person. I'm far from ignorant. I may not know some things, but darn it, I, I can accept instruction. But anyway, let me pull up my um, change.org. I put a petition up there. Let me see my petitions. Let me find my petition right quick. But I put this petition up, not because I expect them to act on this petition, but because I want them to know that I know what you did and I know what you're doing and that you eviscerated this. Um, Where is my petitions at now? I don't really like this. Um, My petitions. Let me see. Let me find this this petition. For all I know, they done took it down. Let me see. Settings. All right. Because my petition, okay, I got to log in. Showing me as being logged in. All right, let me pull up my petitions. Okay, started by me. All right, here it go. Got 79 supporters. That's That's more than I had a day ago. Uh, let me see 97 views in the last two days 79 supporters the petition is restore the staff to unit tracking right wing white terrorists and homeland security and so for y'all that don't know I have uh, uh, people have done the research and they have reported that president the CEO of America uh, Bush George W. Bush there was a report issue that showed the rise in right-wing extremism. And so he created in Homeland Security this unit to track right-wing extremism. That's just a politically correct way of saying white terrorists. All right. So anyway, they created a unit to track them in Homeland Security. So here come President Obama in 2010. And so then, okay, it, it, it's easier for race, uh, no, not racist suspects, but white supremacists like Rush Limbaugh and others in Congress to say, you know, to President Obama, because he's black, and they know that a lot of people is going to practice racism because he's black, and, and they're going to say, how dare you call Americans terrorists and, and you tracking these people? It's a violation of our rights and, and blah, blah, blah. And like he has a history of doing he capitulated. He gave in. And he let them strip that unit down to one person. Now you tell me how one person is going to be able to track these millions of terrorists. Hell, I have trouble, trouble trying to track the potential terrorists in this county alone by myself. Let alone the United States. But again, he capitulated like he has done on so many things. And they eviscerated this, this, this unit. So, he ain't even called that terrorist attack in Charleston a terrorist attack. He ain't used the T word. 
Because then if he used the T word, then somebody might ask him and they should have asked him already and they probably purposely not asking him. Well, why did you eviscerate this unit tracking these people? Don't you feel some kind of personal responsibility for them nine lives? Don't you got some blood on your hands along with John Boehner and, and, and other leadership, Democratic leadership, Republican leadership that stood by and let this happen? Don't y'all got blood on your hands? So what are you doing now? Have you restored the, the uh, staff to track these people? Have you restored the funding? Have you doubled it? No. No, none of that's being asked in the mainstream media. Nobody, when he went on that podcast, and he's certainly welcome to come on Black Talk Radio Network. I noticed that he does his, his, not his personal account, but his campaign account that he used for all those years has been following Black Talk Radio for a while. And I know that they monitor us. I know I'm not stupid. So he welcome to come on this program and answer these questions. But he certainly went on this racist suspect podcast where they use a bunch of foul language and talking, using the, the N word, you know, nigger and all of that. Shucking and jiving instead of getting down to the business of protecting black life in this country. So, you know, he trying to deflect. Yeah, let's, let's talk about the Second Amendment and let's talk about gun control and, and let's talk about the Let's not talk about homeland security and how we don't really have nobody tracking these people no more. See what I'm saying? They playing games, man. He playing games. And so now the CEO of America, when this happened, he down there talking to the Charleston mayor where those people were gunned down, uh, what's his name? Riley, I think is his name. I'm not sure. Joe Riley, yeah, that's his name. So he talking about when he ain't talking about gun control to take people's rights away to protect themselves. When he ain't talking about gun control, then now he talking about introducing tough new laws that will force the KKK and other extreme right wing groups to disclose the identities of their members. These are terrorist organizations. And it's supported, this is, and it's supported by Congress. They gonna, let me put it this way. Do you think that a legislation to force an organization to turn over its membership to make their members public is going to comply with something like that, number one? And number two, do you actually think those Republicans that control Congress and I don't think they control the Senate no they don't control the Senate but they got a lot of power in the Senate but do you think and let's not put it on the Republicans either do you think let's just call it Congress in the Senate do you think they actually going to pass some law to force that through come on now if you believe that then man I don't know what to say except for you're naive they are not going to do that because they'll be talking about invading people's privacy and all this and that. The number one thing you should be doing is restoring the staff to that unit that was tracking these people. See, you don't need Congress to do that. 
You may need them to provide the funding, but you got the discretionary funds in the executive branch. So instead of you using that money to build new federal prisons, why don't you use that money to hire people to attract these racist white terrorists that's burning down churches and gunning down people in the churches or surrounding mosques with their guns and stuff? Huh? See, that would be the logical thing to do instead of thinking that, you know, how how long is that going to take to pass? Let's just say you had a shot at pass. Let's say you got a 50-50 chance of passing some legislation like that. How long you think that's going to sit in committee? How long do you think, you know, come on, man. It ain't no simple process. You don't propose a law tomorrow and then it's going to be, you know, put in the legislation the next day. It don't work like that. It can when y'all want it to, but they don't want to do this. This is just a smoke screen. He's deflecting attention away from the fact that he has black blood on his hands for for capitulating to them right-wing terrorists in media like a Rush Limbaugh and eviscerating this unit that was tracking these terrorists. See how they play games? with you and with your mind but if you just think stop for a minute and think about things logically then you'll see it for what it is this is pure BS he just wants you to think he working on something and he, man that ain't nothing like that gonna be passed during his time in the Oval Office nothing like that and again let me keep stressing he is the CEO he has complete control and I, you know, in the context of white supremacy, what his white handlers in his cabinet will allow him to do. But that executive branch has complete control over the funding of Homeland Security. It's under the executive branch. The DEA under the executive branch. The ATF under the executive branch. Department of Justice under the executive branch. FBI under the executive branch. CIA under the executive branch. NSA under the executive branch. Bureau of Prisons under the executive branch. So don't tell me he just one man. He can't, he can't do everything. You know them Republicans, they, they always, you know, throwing up roadblocks. Stop making excuses. That ain't, that ain't, don't apply to this case. Yeah, they ain't done nothing on no jobs bill. We know that. But that don't apply to this. Learn how government works. There's three branches. The judicial branch, the executive branch, and the legislative branch. See, that's from you not knowing how government works in this country. So I don't want to hear any excuses or blaming somebody else. If you're going to blame somebody, blame the, the refined white supremacists holding his puppet strings. Blame them. But for those that don't understand the concept of how these black people in power, so-called power, don't really have power. If you really think he is the president of the United States, then guess what? He has total executive power 
to restaff that terrorism tracking unit. Now, so, and then also think about it in this term, this way. All these Muslims, whether they be white or black, they keep, all you hear about is a new case. Somebody been arrested on terrorism charges. Cause he tried to sell the FBI some uh, undercover informant, some snitch, some black snitch, sold him some guns. Or, you know, they was on Facebook talking about ISIL. Or they bought a plane ticket to go to Turkey so that they can go join ISIL. We keep hearing about them cases. Where them cases at are y'all setting up these terrorists? Huh? Where those cases at? Oh, what? You ignoring them, huh? FBI won't even call them terrorists. Won't even call this an act of terrorism. Terrorism. Now, we know that they've been engaging in NSA spying, sweeping up everybody's materials, communications, data, metadata, going through your emails. How come they ain't been going through the emails and the metadata and the cell phone records of these white terrorists? suspects huh why is it they only focusing on muslims well you know most muslims is non-white and if they're white muslim then they're seen as race traitors so you know people think logically about these things don't let these politicians play games with your mind like that think logically does this make sense is this what, you know, makes the most sense? But now I'm going to tell you what makes the most sense is not leaving your security in the hands of a traditional enemy. You see these people don't give a damn about your churches, don't give a damn about your lives. So what makes the most sense is you give a damn about your lives and make black life matter. By any means necessary, as our brother minister Malcolm X would surely be telling you, if he was alive today. Well, I don't have anything else for you people. I don't I, I don't have anything else. Can't think of anything else. I think oh I one more thing. One more thing. I forgot. Codified way in an uncodified way. We had Max Parthis on earlier. Alright. And he told you he used Need Fuller's concept or, or strategy or talking about people um not talking to white people about matters concerning race. Well, don't frame it in black and white. Frame it in justice and injustice. Is this right? If this was happening to your family member, would would you want this to happen to your family member? You know? And we know some of them practicing deception, no matter what, how logical the argument you present to them. They still gonna do what they wanna do. And that's practice racism, so don't be fooled. But you might be, you just may be talking to some people that might have some sense. That if you show them the illogic of their quote unquote logic or why they're supporting the terrorist flag, well they might listen. They might listen if you do, if you frame it the right way. But what you don't do is get out there and yell and scream and name call and and you know that's uncodified it don't matter how you personally feel about them why are you out there if you out there to convince them of something that's not how you gonna convince them 
If you out there to just yell and scream, you know, I don't see how that's constructive use of your time. Here is this clip, this person by the name of Chad Mills. He was out there in South Carolina at one of these rallies. And here is, let me pause it right quick and start it. And it's mine. Don't even stand on my ground. You better take that to your See? mind. You might want to go back to where you came from if you can ask. No, go back to where you came from. I am where I came this from. This is like a long way. I am where I came from. And he's standing right next to you. All right, let, let's play that one more time. Catch it. It's only 16 seconds. And it's mine. Don't even stand on my ground. You better take that to your See? mind. You might want to go back to where you came from. No, go back to where you came from. I am where I came this from. This is like a long I am where I came from. And he stands right next to you. See, that, that's not constructive getting out there. I ain't blasting on this brother because at least he got the courage to go out there and confront them white supremacists. So A1 on that one. Thumbs up on that to you, brother. But was that the constructive, most constructive use of your time? arguing with somebody and yelling and screaming that i mean i know passions but see that's why we got to learn man to control our emotions control see that's when you enter into that vulcan uh uh state of mind you know vulcan from star trek that's a race of people who have no emotions and i know it's tough that's something i'm working on on myself i'm a very passionate person but i'm not gonna sit up there and be going back and forth with some racist suspect who don't even know his own history. That's not constructive. That's not constructive. What what does what what are we supposed to do? What does you know counter racism teach? Ask questions. So instead of making statements, you should have brother been asking him questions. Why are you out here? Did you know that your ancestor probably didn't even enslave anyone, but was exploited and forced to go off and, and fight for some wealthy man who looked down on you as Paul Trash? Did you know that, Mr. Man? Did you know that? See, ask questions. Don't argue with them. Don't argue with them. So, you know, that's just being codified or whatnot. Again, I'm not criticizing this brother. He got more balls than a lot of us. He out there confronting them races. But if you're going to go out there and you're going to engage them, already have your game plan down, have your talking points down, you practice mental jujitsu on them. Now, so, anyway... That's the program. I've shared everything that I had planned on sharing. Uh, we've been doing what? Going on three hours now. Um, I'm hoping Brother Dave will be back soon, but um, if not, then, you know, I'll just continue to do three hours if I have three hours worth of material to talk to you about. But right now, um, I need to get to work on some other stuff after I take a moment to uh get some rest and get some nourishment and get some liquids, uh, fluids in my body and, uh, go out here and take care of some things around the house. But I'll be back on my job, um, with the Black Talk Media Project and answering emails and returning phone calls and things of that nature. So recognize the fact that you live behind these enemy lines, that it is a battlefield out there. There are casualties every day 
uh, by the last count. Let's go ahead and pull it up. Killed by police. The last count, June 29th, 550 civilians have been killed by police. Because they, you know, not saying that all the killings were not justified, but most of the killings, based on their record, are probably not justified. And it probably has something to do with them trying to put somebody in slavery. So anyway, uh, yeah, 550 people have been killed by police this year. That's more than any Muslim group, so-called terrorist group, any so-called white terrorists out there. Police! Is doing the most killing out here on these streets and in these rural areas and in our houses and in our apartment buildings and just everywhere. They're doing the most killing. State-sanctioned terrorism, because you should be terrified. But don't be terrified. Be informed. Develop battlefield awareness. Stay cool and calm under pressure. Be codified in your interactions with these cops so you can make it back home alive or make it to the job alive or wherever it is you're going behind these enemy lines because it's real out here this ain't no joke i'm not on here to be no shock jock and and just use inflammatory language to to piss people off or to rile them up i'm on here to tell you the truth as it has been presented to me and you can agree with it or you can disagree with it, but it's out there. So I don't want, especially our people, getting killed. So develop that battlefield awareness so that you don't be killed by police or anybody else in this country. All right? Peace and blessings to all. I will be back on air tomorrow with Truth Minister Paul Scott. We are going to discuss the 4th of July protest the rbg color protest peace and blessings to all exist in a state of vanglorious as we are protected by the red the black and the green heed the words of the brothers With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.